You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And this week it is episode 286, and we are finally saying goodbye to at least a portion of the infamous backlog from hell because, well, it took me almost a year and a half to finish them all. This is the final stupid, sexy, sponsored episode from the queue that began back in 2022 when we were still taking it. It's just that that line lasted forever, and we're finally to the end of it, and we're talking Lufia 2, Rise of the Sinistrals, here on referred to as Sinistrales. And I'm going to warn you all, we are going to spoil some of this game right now, for a JRPG, the story's not really that deep. I don't think our spoilers will, like, I don't think anything we're going to say here isn't enough to make it like, ah, it's not worth playing anymore. Don't worry about that. I promise. Uh, I'm sure some of you have not played this game. Most of you probably haven't. Truth be told, I'd never even heard of it until uh, about a year ago myself. But it is a JRPG on the Super Nintendo. And that's reason enough for having never heard of it. Because being a lesser known for lack of a better term, a B-tier RPG on the Super Nintendo, that's like being a second stringer on a Dynasty sports team. It's just like, I got the ring, but I didn't really do very much. And I was a little, yeah, on Lufia 2 going in because RPGs are just long and I get bored of a lot of them. But I was quite surprised by this game. It's pretty fun. If you've never played it, it's got the classic, you know, sword, shields, magic, dungeons and dragons setting. 
Uh, you control a group of heroes out to stop the Sinistralis from destroying the world. It's got the classic, you know, the airship. You fly around like the Final Fantasy 2 on 3 on the Super Nintendo where you see the digital world underneath you and all that stuff. And the combat itself is classic turn-based RPG combat. But what hooked me in this game is in when you're not in combat, the dungeons play like The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. It's just... You control one character walking around, you're lifting pots, you're blowing up walls, you're cutting down bushes, you're solving puzzles, you're finding treasures, you got a bow and arrow, a bomb, a hook shot that you can help to solve the puzzles with. Imagine Zelda if every time you fought an enemy, it went into an RPG combat screen. That's that's what this game is, and it's, it's pretty neat. It's, it's linear as fuck. The story's not anything special. One portion of the game is a glitchy mess, and it deserves some flack for that. And you're probably only playing this if you emulate it because it's pretty expensive and hard to find. But if you like classic 16-bit RPGs, I think this one is worth emulating. Longtime hot dog Jay Nasty picked this game for his sponsored episode, and he swings by to explain why. And then the Mad With Power Discord mod Captain N pops in to take a deeper dive into Lufia 2 with me. It's a cool little game, and despite all of its flaws, I did not hate it. And we'll get there in just a minute, because speaking of not hating something despite all of its flaws, it's time for another edition of the Remember the Game infamous intro. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard and consider this your warning. Our intros are kind of long, but they're fun. We talk video games and stuff, and I I recommend giving them a listen. I don't think they're terrible. Uh, and they're much easier to skip, or they're, or they're way shorter than an RPG, which I guess does make it easier to skip. I lost my way there. But they're much, they're much shorter than an RPG, all right? If you do want to skip it, go to about the 30-minute mark. You'll be into Lufia 2 Talk. Let me get my plugs out of the way. We got to keep some bills on around here. You can check out all of our merch, shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, posters. You can find it all at rememberthegamepodcast.com. And shout out to my man Joe from 4545creative.com for designing all of it. Talented motherfucker. And, of course, if you don't like clothes, I get it. You can support us on the old Patreon box. Our subscription started just $3 a month. It's just the change in your couch. And you get so much hundreds of archive bonus podcasts ad free or waiting for you the second you sign up and you can now listen to them on spotify which is mwah. and we add four extra shows to that archive backlog every single week each monday mark McHugh and i are talking an episode of the simpsons over on purple monkey dishwasher every tuesday i talk about whatever the fuck i want on the rambling idiot i'll share my thoughts on comedy tv movies sports whatever's on my mind i do a lot of movie reviews over there as well Every Friday, I drop Game Patch, which is my modern gaming news show where we talk about the biggest stories in video games. I tell you about the new releases, etc. And Thursday is Expansion Pass, which is a different gaming theme show every week. We look back at consoles and characters. I do tons of rankings. There's a lot of modern game reviews. There's some comedy episodes. This past week, it was Expansion Pass 199. And we decided to vent a little bit and bitch about our gaming pet peeves. You know, they're not the full-blown gaming grievances. They're just those little things games do that irritate us. They're like gaming mosquitoes. And as is becoming tradition, here is a sneak peek of last week's episode of Expansion Pass, our gaming pet peeves. My first big gaming pet peeve are unpausable or unskippable cutscenes. Cutscenes need to have all three options. Option one. Watch it. Option two, pause it. Option three, skip it. They need all three. There's no excuse not to have all three. I could semi-possibly, kind of, maybe, potentially hear an argument for retro games with cutscenes. But in today's society, there's no place for this. People are busy. What happens when my phone rings while I'm in the middle of a game in a cutscene and then I look down at it or like I always fucking do? 
Or like, what if your wife or your spouse or somebody comes into the room and you want to talk to them or whatever? Let me pause a cutscene. Cutscenes are a perfect time to go for a pee or something. Let me pause. Let me go pee and refill my drink and then come back and keep playing. Let me pause it. And for the love of Christ, if you're going to make me go back and watch a cutscene again before I get another shot at a boss or whatever the fuck, which drives me crazy on its own when there's an unskippable cutscene right before a boss fight or something, which we had some writings about we're going to get to in a second. Let me skip that cutscene because if you make me watch that cutscene over and over and over again every time I watch it you just lock your three points off of my grade scale and my grade scale is only 10 so if I have to watch a cutscene three times you're fucked so that's now available in our archives and this week for expansion pass number two Hundred. I can't believe we made it to 200 of those things. Uh, I'm going to go back to episode 100 and update it. If you don't know, on Expansion Pass 100, I counted down my 100 favorite games of all time. But in the two years since we published that episode, I've probably played 100, 150 more games. So this week, I'm going to revise that list. And I'm going to hit you with my new 2024 edition of my 100 favorite games of all time. Should be fun. So again, subscriptions start at $3 a month to get new shows every week, instant access to hundreds of ad-free bonus podcasts in the archives. You get a vote in the pre-March Madness Patreon poll tournament extravaganza, a 64-game tournament. We're running through the entire month of February. Our patrons are voting on matchups every day, and we're going to get it down to one winner, and that game will get an episode of Remember the Game. We just started the Sweet 16 on Tuesday, so it's getting, it's getting intense now. It's fucking wild. Not only that, you get access to the Remember the game Discord. You get to vote on all of our polls. You get the ability to submit comments to be read on all of our shows. You get DM with me. You get discounts on your merch. And you even get a shout out and get to hear me mispronounce your name like I'm about to do to most of these people. A huge thank you to our newest patrons, Wolves Slasher, Nicholas Rego, Tim H. I wonder if that's Tim Hortons. I wonder. Scattered Scribe, Steven Nelson, Carter Barco, and Stewie3. There's three Y's in there. So Stewie... Stu Y3. Thank you all so much for the support and welcome to Remember the Game Industries, patreon.com slash remember the game. And don't forget, we offer annual subs that'll save you your 12th month's fees as well. Oh. And finally, you can find me over on the old Twitch box, twitch.tv slash member the game. I'm on there three or four times a week now, playing old games, video re wrestling games, other non wrestling, just old video games. Shut the fuck up. It's pretty good times. Come by my Twitch. It's fun. Uh, that's enough blowing myself. Let's blow some of you. By blowing in some cartridges. It is our opening segment here on the show. I read a few comments and questions from our Patreons. Usually gaming related, but not always. And we call this segment Blowing in the Cartridge. He blows alright. He blows big time. That's it, honey. Get into the spirit. Let's blow our first blower this week is Digital Dave, who said, Hey Adam, I recently saw a Capcom survey that seems to gauge interest on several of their franchises. I'm curious, man. Would you rather see a new Mega Man game or a well-done remake of Mega Man 1 to 3 with Mega Man 11 style graphics and gameplay? Uh, first of all, like a dozen of you sent me that Capcom survey, so appreciate you. I did indeed voice my support. We need more Mega Man. As far as your question, would I rather see a new Mega Man game or remakes of 1 to 3 in the 11 graphics and style? I think a new one. I should be told if I had the pen and I could only make one Mega Man game, I would make a new Mega Man X in a 16-bit style. Or maybe the Mega Man 11 style. I think that's what I would do. But if I had to choose, like, I listen, I've played Mega Man 1 to 3 to death, and sure, it'd be great to see them remade in that new style and seeing the robot masters bigger and badder than ever and stuff like that. But when it comes to Mega Man, I'm almost always going to ask for a new one over a remake. Just because I'm like, I've, I've played those ones so many times. I want new. I want new. Where in the fuck is Mega Man? So I'll say 
First choice, Mega Man X 16-bit. Second choice, new classic Mega Man. Third choice, remake Mega Man 1 to 3 like Mega Man 11. Although Mega Man 11 is a great fucking game. Boy, I love that guy. I love that Blue Bomber so much. Yeah, I'll go that way. Uh, Pressing X. Pressing X said, Mr. Blank, my burning question this week is what are your thoughts on random generated levels? I mean, I get the positives of them as they can essentially make the game infinitely replayable. But for me, I live, I like a level that's been designed specifically for the user, especially in platformers. I want my level to be painstakingly planned out within an inch and play tested for perfection. I want to get your thoughts as I recently was tempted by 20XX, but it seemed to have random levels and it instantly turned me off. Uh... So if you haven't played 20XX, everybody, it's an indie game. It's basically a Mega Man roguelike. It's pretty dope. It's pretty fun. Uh, where am I? I I actually, truth be told, I prefer randomly generated levels to designed like to the letter levels if the random generation is good. An example was like Starfield, and I know it's not a platformer, but Starfield, they were like, oh my god, the the caves and the and the the um laboratories and stuff you're gonna find are all like oh they're, they're you never know what you're gonna get and then you go in and it's like it's the same four designs over and over again i'm like this sucks and yes there can be some randomly generated levels that just are crap and they're not very much fun but when they're well done and i i disagree i really enjoyed the random layouts of 20xx that was what brought me kept me coming back but different strokes for different folks uh, I, I like that. I'm playing Rogue Legacy 2 a little bit right now. I love the original Rogue Legacy. I love this one, and everything's randomly generated every time. So when it's done properly, I'm a huge fan of the random generated levels because it does give it a ton of replayability. So I'm gonna I'm gonna side with liking them. They just have to be. It's it, they have to be good. It's 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 like peanut butter. You know, I love peanut butter, but it's got to be good. No, no, it's the worst analogy I've ever said. I hate shitty peanut butter. But random design, good peanut butter is spectacular. So I, I, I'm I'm pro random as long as it's done well. Uh, Hibs Habs said, "Hey Adam, I notice your voice rarely cracks these days. Have you finally hit puberty? I don't know. I was thinking that too. My voice isn't cracking as much as it used to, and I am getting more hair on my back and in my ears than I've ever had. So maybe I am. Maybe I did finally hit puberty. If that's the case, it would explain why my back always hurts. Puberty sucks." But it, my voice is cracking less these days. Thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. John Evan Bear said, Hi, Adam. Have you ever rented a game as a kid and beaten it within one weekend? Yes. Actually, The Little Mermaid. Uh, make fun of me if you want. It's a good fucking game. I rented that on the NES when I was a kid because I love that movie. I beat it the first time I played it. The first time I played it, I beat it. Not the weekend, but the first time. And I was like, what in the shit was this? For the most part, no. Because most of the time when I was renting games, I was renting NES games or Super Nintendo. And the Super Nintendo, some were beatable. But on the NES, most of those games, like, it took fucking months of playing them over and over to get good enough to beat them. But The Little Mermaid is one that always stick out to me. Because I, I literally beat it the night I brought it home. And then I think I played through it two or three more times that weekend. It was still neat because it was new, but it was disappointing. So here's a question. Back when you were a kid and you were renting, especially NES games, would you rather be able to beat it the weekend you rent it? Or would you rather not be able to beat it and have a chance and have a reason to rent it again and keep playing it? Because, like, I, I, NES games were so tough back then, but we didn't really know any better. So it was like, it's fine. I don't care that they're hard. That's that's what they're supposed to be. So I'm curious. Where, where are you? I, I mean, I want to know. Uh, the Rockstar said, Adam, as a big Metal Gear Solid fan, in a way it was hard to hear you shit all over Snake Eater, but I admire your honesty and I was grateful you gave it two different scores based on both the game and your personal view. Thanks for another Ace episode and I get why we won't get a Metal Gear Solid 4 episode and I respect it. My question is, as I'm sure we haven't heard, 
uh, as I'm sure we, oh, okay. Uh, my question is, I'm sure we haven't heard this before. Who are your top three celebrity crushes? I can't wait to hear this in a few weeks when I finish the backlog. Uh, that's number one is, um, Aubrey Plaza. Is that her last name from Parks and Rec? Ah, she's got so much attitude and I just, ah, just melts me, man. I, Aubrey's awesome. I think that's her name. I fucking, I love that girl. Uh, and then the other two, probably Jennifer Lopez, who I have, there's a voice crack, Jennifer Lopez, who I have loved since, uh, high school. And uh, you know what? I know that she's kind of gone off the deep end, but I still adore Britney Spears. Those are probably my three biggest celebrity crushes. Yeah, I'll go with that. Also, if I'm throwing in a fourth one, Jamie Hayter from AEW, but yeah, I'll go with those. I, yeah, yeah, let's go with those. Uh, John Truckasaurus said, Hi, Adam. I recently saw this video on YouTube, and I can't stop thinking about it. It was basically about how a lot of people consider Mario 64 to be a horror game. How the game evokes feelings of loneliness and dread, with the overall vibe of the game is dark and gloomy, and it lacks that classic Mario charm we've come to expect. Apparently, a lot of people feel this way, and it blew my mind, because I always viewed it as a charming, colorful experience. Just wondering if you've ever heard of this. I think it would make an excellent expansion pass episode, too. Whether you agree or disagree, I think our hot dogs would have a lot to say about the subject. Cheers. I've never heard that before, and I guess I could see it because there are a couple of levels that, you know, that that fucking fire level always makes me depressed, as does the, the water one with the pirate ship, even though the music is so happy just because I suck at that game. But no, I don't consider Mario 64 a horror game at all. Like, that fucking opening part is so nice and, like, do do boop boo do 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 and it's just so happy and then the first level and you're like racing the koopa troopa and fighting the giant bomb and no no i disagree i if you the only thing that's horrific about mario 64 is killing that baby penguin which yeah it's fucked up but the penguin deserves it and if you know you know and you all know that little bastard no i don't consider it a horror game uh travis renberg said adam Will you be doing an episode on Cyberpunk 2077 when you're finished? The game, even on release, was amazing, and I don't think it deserves the flack it received, and I would be looking forward to your thoughts on it. Also, are you playing with Phantom Liberty or just the base game? Uh, to answer, okay, so will you be doing an episode on Cyberpunk when I'm done? I will, if, if I finish it, I will do an episode of Expansion Pass reviewing it. And I say if because I have a monstrous tendency to play these open world games for like 20 30 hours and then be like i don't want to play this anymore and, and i've had enough that said the more i've played cyberpunk the more into it i'm getting i'm playing it on my steam deck and it's been awesome in little handheld bursts while i'm watching wrestling or whatever the fuck so if i finish it yes i will review it on expansion pass you don't think it deserved the flack it received that i disagree with they released a broken game i wish i had tried it when it was broken just so that i could have a better opinion but they released that knowing goddamn well that it didn't run properly especially on the ps4 and xbox one and they just took money and walked away and so while the game might be great now i think they deserve all the flack they got and then some because they released a game that wasn't done uh and then is, am i playing with phantom liberty or just the base game i i very very rarely play dlc i did buy the package that came with phantom liberty but i at this point i'm, I'm i've played like a couple missions from the phantom liberty and then was like oh that's phantom liberty i'll bench that for now I don't know if I'll get through it or not. Before you write in and tell me it's great, I saw the reviews last year. It was a finalist for the Shooter of the Year at the Plankies. I know it's great. It's just I, I have so many games to play that I, a big game like that a lot of the time gets put to the wayside because I just don't have time to finish it. If I ever get around to finishing it, I will review it. So we'll see how that goes. But so far, so good. I am liking it. I think the first few hours are way too complicated, but once you actually understand how it's working, it's pretty fun. 
And finally, before we move on, it's letter time. It's letter time. Lakdar9877 said, okay, rant time. Microtransactions should be a heavy no-no if not banned outright. I've been playing Diablo since... <laughs> I know it's Diablo. People have been writing in and telling me. I just like to say words wrong. I've been playing Diablo since 97, and it's my all-time favorite franchise. But Diablo 3 was finally polished crap, and then they announced Diablo 4. I waited four years and pre-purchased the biggest digital bundle they had in anticipation, but sadly, it's more of what D3 did, only a more polished turd. Plus, add in microtransactions, and I've completely stopped playing my $99 investment. Blizzard should be ashamed, and no wonder you don't pre-order anything, Adam. That might just be the last thing I ever pre-order. Um, now I can't speak to Diablo because I've never played one of those games, but I'm like 90% on board with, yes, I hate microtransactions. I wish they weren't in games. I will come back and say like, yo, if you just want to sell like skins and themes and like just cosmetic shit that if people want to buy it, they can, that I don't mind as much. When it's anything in game, it does start to irritate me a little bit. I'll also counter that and say if it's a free-to-play out-of-the-gate game and then you want to sell some stuff inside to get people to play. I, I mean, like, a lot of the predatory like mobile games that people get addicted to and spend their life savings on, DSP. But I mean, just like the little ones... I can live with that. You know, if I buy, if I download a game for free and then I throw it five bucks for like a, you know, a skin or something like, I, again, I can, I can, I can live with that because the one thing I do think some people need to remember is that, and I'm not, and I'm not crying, I'm not crying in my cereal for the game developers, but there's a reason we're seeing so many people laid off, right? Game development is incredibly expensive. And so if you can help offset your costs with a couple of microtransactions, Again, I can live with it if they're optional, if they're cosmetic, if it's just like, hey, do you want to spend a couple of bucks on these? You can, but you don't have to. You can enjoy the game the way it is, and then if you want to get a little extra, go nuts. It's like, you know, I can go and order a salad, but I got to pay extra if I want to put chicken on it, right? Like, I can live with I can live with that. Just If you want to enjoy your salad, go ahead. That I can live with. But I do agree they've gotten completely out of hand. They're very predatory. I think they feast on people that don't have any willpower or they get addicted to them. Stuff like those card packs and the loot boxes and that kind of stuff are absolutely disgusting. And again, for 90, 90% of the microtransactions out there, I agree it's disgusting. There's just There are exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, I agree. I will say I never buy them. I don't care. I don't give a fuck what you're selling me. I don't remember the last time. I Other than like the occasional DLC for like some extra characters and stuff, it's very, very rare that I spend any money on microtransactions because they do just add up and fuck with you. So I bought your game. That's all you're getting out of me. So there you go. And yeah, don't pre-order. That's just me. I know a lot of you disagree because I get those comments all the time. I don't remember the last time I pre-ordered a game. I But I also buy games digitally. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to, there's no, I don't need to pre-order it because they'll never run out of copies. I'll just download it when I'm ready to play it. But I'd rather see the reviews first and just make sure it's not another cyberpunk. So... Anyway, there you go. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. Thanks for all your submissions. we got to keep this ball rolling. Let's switch things up and get to our Smash Hit segment, the official game show of Remember the Game Industries. It's Play One, Remake One, Erase One. And a huge thank you to Classic Concentration from the NES for unknowingly providing us with the theme music for the show. The rules are simple. Every week, I give our patrons three retro video games. They can play one as it was released. They can remake one as a modern game. And the third is erased from time forever. And as always, there are no wrong answers, but there is a right one. We'll get there in just a minute. And this week, it was insane. We're talking a lesser-known SNES RPG, so I went with three more of those. I have Secret of Evermore, Terra Enigma, and Breath of Fire 2. And for the first time in Remember the Game history, we had a three-way tie for the win. 22% each. 22% said 
play Secret of Evermore, remake Breath of Fire 2, erase Terranigma. 22% said play Breath of Fire 2, remake Evermore, and then erase Terranigma. And 22% said play Terranigma, remake Evermore, and erase Breath of Fire 2. And the other combinations all had 10% of the vote or more. It was the closest P1R1E1 ever. It was fucking sick. So let's see what a few of you had to say here, and then I'll tell you what the right answer was. Sven Vasquez said, I haven't played any of these, so I'll order them by how metal the covers look. Play Terranigma. It looks like a portal to heck opening up. Remake everything. Is that a giant bug? And erase Breath of Fire 2. It's a corny hair metal band. I'm always going to agree with someone that makes their picks based on the box art. I love that. John F. Ketamine said, play Breath of Fire 2 because I've owned a copy for years and haven't got around to it. Remake Terranigma because it's hard to find an official copy of it. And remaking it on modern hardware would make it more accessible. And erase Secret of Evermore because them's the rules. Ah, it hurts my heart for you to erase Evermore, but I get it. I, under I Fair enough. I get it. I really don't think there is a wrong answer this week. Uh, Torby Flenderson. <laughs> I love that handle so much. Torby Flenderson said, play Evermore. As a kid, I didn't like it because it was something about the mechanics I couldn't figure out, so I didn't get very far. I think I'd see it differently today. Remake Terranigma so that it, Soul Blazer, and Illusion of Gaia, my personal favorite hidden gem game, would be offered as a multi-platform bundle with more fluid movement. And then Erase Breath of Fire 2. I never much got into the series, so I just will not miss it, period. It's fair. I haven't gotten it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can live. I can live with that. That's the sound logic. I get it. Uh, Michael Mathis said, "Play Breath of Fire 2. It's an amazing game that's in my top list for the SNES. Keep it the way it is. Remake Secret of Evermore. I love this game, but it could use some quality of life improvements, such as the menu system for switching weapons or spells that could benefit from a controller with more buttons and sticks. And then erase Terranigma. I never played it. They never released it in North America for the SNES, so it's dead to me." That's cold. Because somebody else didn't release it, you're like, that's its fault. It's cold. I get it. Fair enough. Uh, I personally am going with one of the three co-leaders this week. I love that we had a three-way tie. That's sick. Uh, as did Scattered Scribe, who said, I'm so happy I finally decided to back this Patreon so I could officially participate in my first ever play one, remake one, erase one, and this week comes out swinging. I'll play Terranigma because I had no idea the sequel to Illusion of Gaia even existed, and it looks awesome. I'll remake Secret of Evermore because after beating Secret of Mana with my two best friends, this game was the next best thing. I think an update to this along with its awesome alchemy magic system would be amazing as a stylized indie or something like the Switch. Uh, on something like the Switch. And I'll erase Breath of Fire 2 because I'd still have Breath of Fire 3. Sorry 2. Them's the rules. Uh, I, same order. Completely different reasoning. I would play Terranigma because I don't know a goddamn thing about it. Not a goddamn thing. Truthfully, I didn't know that it was a sequel to Illusion of Gaia. So... I'd play that. I'd remake Secret of Evermore because I fucking love that game and I want it released on everything so everybody can play it. And then I'd erase Breath of Fire 2 because A, I think it's a very lame name. And number two, uh, it's Breath of Fire 2 and I don't want to be confused if I don't play Breath of Fire 1 first, which I don't want to have to do. So I'm just erasing the whole thing altogether. I know there was a concern with Lufia 2 because I never played Lufia 1. It caused me many sleepless nights, frankly, and I just can't put myself through that again. So thank you to everybody that wrote in and played along as always. What have I been playing over the last week? Lufia 2. I actually beat it on Sunday, I think. Saturday or Sunday. So definitely ready to talk about that. I've been playing Castlevania Bloodlines on the Genesis. That'll, you know, spoiler, probably going to be next week's episode. Very good Castlevania game. I've been playing Tiny Toons Adventures on the NES, which won our Patreon poll in January. Very good game. I played it a lot growing up. I loved it. I'm playing it now. It's hard as I remember, but it's really awesome. That's coming up soon. And then, as I mentioned, I've been playing Cyberpunk 2077 whenever I get a few minutes to uh, shoot people and hack... Uh, well, people, I guess. It's fucking weird. So, All right. Here's what's going to happen. I need a drink of water. We're going to pause here. We'll let a sponsor come in, pedal their wares, and we get back. It's all Lufia 2, okay? So we will be right back. 
If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul-crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work. Gone, like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That could be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac and every 15 minutes on the clock they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a crash plan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses and offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Alright, let's get into Lufia 2. As always, I like to let you nerds sound off about the game we're covering before my guests and I hog the microphone. We had a lot of comments this week, so let's meow through a few of them here. Don't win friends with Salad said it's a cool mix of Final Fantasy and The Legend of Zelda, one of my all-time favorite games. It's sad it didn't get more love. It definitely had huge potential, has huge potential for a remaster, remake, or even a series revival. I agree with that as long as it actually fucking works all the way through this time, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Christopher Britt said, I bought the original SNES cartridge of this game about five years ago, and I loved it after playing the remake on the 3DS. I'm still shocked that the submarine shrine made it through production, and I had to fumble through the glitches for about an hour until I finally made it through. Still, one of the most heart-wrenching endings in a game. Yeah, I agreed on the ending, but that fucking, that, that shrine, which we'll talk about, that shrine is borderline inexcusable to me how the fuck you let a game get through with that i have no fucking idea daniel was one of a few that wrote in about the ancient cave which we'll talk about more in this game but basically it's 99 floors it's like a roguelike uh i didn't actually play that mode myself but a lot of you wrote in praising that game daniel said one of my greatest gaming achievements is making it to the bottom of the ancient cave and beating the royal jelly boss fight the cave has 99 floors and it's random every time you go in fuck that was a hard dungeon cheers Congratulations on beating it. And Jamie said the ancient cave is amazing. It could have had an entire game based around it. It would have been a revolutionary roguelike for its time. The rest of the game is like B tier SNES RPG, but I still enjoyed it. One thing I will say about the ancient cave is like I didn't go super explorer in this game, but like I never found it. And like I know I probably could have. I've read about it afterwards, and it does sound cool. When I read how many hours it takes to beat it, I was like, that's not fucking happening. 
But I do think it's a very cool idea. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Our cat in Prime said this game was a special one for my family. Every Christmas Eve when I was a kid, my brother, my parents, and I would sit down and take turns working our way through the ancient cave. We would leave the SNES running overnight and pick up on Christmas morning with presents and breakfast and everything. It was a really special time in my childhood, and I always loved this game for that memory alone. Plus, we even beat the cave a couple of times. That is a fuck. My parents wouldn't let me play Nintendo on Christmas morning until we were done everything. That's a nice Christmas. Uh, at Ztrox369 said, Lufia 2 is a top-tier RPG on the SNES. It's really two games in one, the main Lufia storyline and then the Ancient Cave. The cave may be one of the first roguelikes in gaming history, if you think about it. A randomized dungeon where they reset your level items and gear. It was brilliant, and I spent more time on this part of the game than an already awesome game that was happening behind it. I remember just having a separate save file locked in my... In my uh, I remember just having a separate save file just locked in on my ancient cave progression because if I beat the cave, I get rare items that I can bring outside the cave and you wouldn't be able to get them otherwise to equip during the main story and then you continue on to beat the game as a whole. Yes. All right. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about all of it. All right. First, I'm going to talk to Gene Nasty, the one that put this game on my radar and see what he loves about it so much. And then Captain and then and I'll ramble about it for quite a while as well. So I'm going to queue up some Lufia 2 music. It's very good. And when it stops, it's finally time to talk Lufia 2 Rise of the Sinistrales, which originally released on the Super Nintendo in North America in May of 1996. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Let's go. Alright, so I'm sure as I mentioned during the infamous intro, this is uh, this is one of the last Stupid Sexy Sponsored episodes we'll be doing for quite some time. And our guest this week uh, actually won this episode through a very generous donation to a, a charity event that we ran in the old Discord. Feels like about two years ago. I think it was about six months ago. And that is longtime hot dog and supporter of the show, Jay Nasty, a.k.a. Jeffrey. I, I feel weird calling you Nasty because talking off air, you seem like a nice guy. So I'm going to go Jeffrey uh buddy how's it going how are you i'm good how are you thanks for having me yeah man uh, thank you for your patience i know this took a long fucking time so it was worth the uh, wait then what's that i said it was worth the wait yeah well you know what yeah. it was, and you know what's surprising is that it kind of was because i'll be honest with you man when you picked lufia 2 i think the most of the community knows where i stand on jrpgs uh, very hot and cold and i was like ah do i have to play another jrpg uh this one was quite uh this is, a, this is a neat little game. This is a neat little... I, I quite like... I want to get into it. I, I quite like this game. So let's start there. Why, of all the games you could have picked, why Lufia 2? Rise of the Sinistrals, or however it's pronounced. Yeah, cool. I think that's I think that's how I pronounce it. Uh, so I definitely wanted to do an RPG, and I didn't know if I wanted to do Angry Adam or um, make Adam happy. So with Lufia 2... <laughs> Um, I think Lufia 2 is probably my third favorite RPG on the Super Nintendo um, behind Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. But okay. I knew it had a lot of things that you would like in an RPG you've said over the years. It has a pretty linear storyline. It has um, um, characters that you... Like, you don't have to choose your party. They give it give you the party. I love that. Yeah. Um, and no random encounters. Or there's... A few random encounters, but it's mostly, mostly not. So I figure yeah. with those three things, you would enjoy this RPG. Yeah, you did good because you're right. I I do. I love how linear it is. I love the minimal uh, random encounters, and I love that I don't have to manage a giant party. So three, you you crushed it. Three for three. Yeah. 
Uh, just curious. You said you weren't sure if you wanted to go angry at him or happy at him. Had you wanted to go the angry route, did you have a game in mind? There's two. Uh, Seven Saga on the Super Nintendo. It's a, a grind-heavy RPG okay. that actually has a game-breaking bug that if you grind too much in a certain spot, it, you basically can't beat the game. What and then the there's fuck? A... What? Why? Because yeah. <laughs> the enemies level up? No, there's like one specific boss that levels up with you. Uh, um, it was like when they ported it from Japan to New North America. There was okay. They changed the difficulty on it or something. Oh, uh, okay. And the other one was called Lagoon, which is an action RPG. It's basically your Bart versus um Space Mutants, where it's probably an actually bad game, but I like it. Um, it's just the uh, hit detection for this little sword in Lagoon is is terrible. So. Okay. Um, it would have been. I think it's very frustrating. Everybody has those shit games that they like, anyways. Mm-hmm. Like I will defend Bart versus the Space Mutants till I die, and I don't know why it sucks, but I love that stupid game. That's my um, lagoon. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you went with Lufia too. This is a neat yeah. game. I know a lot of our listeners have never played it, so I'm gonna get more into it in a little bit. But if you never played it, classic 16-bit Super Nintendo JRPG. But um, it almost like. I like I, I it's got a little earthbound to it. Not so much as far as the funky writing, but the like seeing the enemies on the screen, the four playable characters in your party, the four people farting, f- the four people farting, the four people following <laughs> you around. Uh, it's got a little, it's got a little earthbound to it, which kind of mm-hmm. intrigues me as well. Yeah. Um, why this one? Like you must have played this growing up. Then did you own this? We did. Um, we actually rented it a few times first because, like, like you said, it wasn't a very well-known RPG, so it wasn't in the stores a lot. So we rented it a few times, and of course, someone, some asshole, kept re- erasing our file from the game. <laughs> but um, eventually, we found it in a pawn shop of all places in our small town, and we bought it. And uh, yeah, we just played the shit out of it. Sick. I um, have you played the first? Because this is the sequel, right? Which is technically the prequel, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, right. I played the first one. Um, first one is much bare bones. It's more of a traditional random encounters. Oh. Um, just think of like Dragon Quest. It's very like sure. Dragon Quest heavy, but okay. it, it's set, I think, 80 years in the future after the second oh, okay. one. Okay. Um, it's it's good. Like if you're a diehard RPG fan, I would definitely play the first one, but sure. it's, it's not a must play. Okay, okay. And it's, and you're right. Like it's it's fucking like, it's a little shocking that a, a JRPG that's this decent is that hidden. But I I think that's just a testament to like the Super Nintendo's JRPG lineup was, yeah. Like I was gonna say second to none, but one A one B alongside the PS one in my opinion. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. What do you what who do you think? Just quickly, who do you think is better JRPGs, Super Nintendo or PS one? Uh, I know. Yeah. I mean, if I had. Super Nintendo, maybe. I mean, right. I think PS One has more, but I think the Super Nintendo just has a few better overall. Sure. Ah, what a like even like as someone that like, could take or leave JRPGs. Even I love the most like like Super Mario RPG, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy, Earthbound. I'll yeah. have Lufia too. Um, I, I like it. I like it. It's in that category. It is. Uh, one thing I found was it was like it, it's not just a little bit linear. It is like shockingly linear. Yeah, I think there's really about three side quests, probably. Yeah. There's a casino you can go to. There's eight dragon eggs you can find, which 
just random fetch quests. And then there's the ancient cave, which is a whole game in, in itself. Right. Okay. And I, and I definitely want to get into that just quickly. So I found, I think four dragon eggs, but I never traded them in. I looked up after the game that like, I guess there's like a dragon you can go find and you give them eggs and they give you items or something. Yeah. He gives you some strong item. And then when he gives, when you give him the eight eggs, he disperses the eight eggs across the world again. And you have to go find them again. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. But what's wild about that though, is that it's offering you these like more powerful items and stuff. But like, I found this game to be incredibly easy. I died one time outside of the one fight against uh, the first Sinistral you come across where he's basically going to kill you almost every time. Right. Um, I died one time. Like, it's not a it's not a difficult game. Or maybe I grind it too much. I don't know. But I found yeah. it to be easy. Yeah, I think with the the way the tools and the random encounter or the uh, non-random encounters work, it's pretty easy to undergrind or overgrind. But I think overall it is a pretty easy game i think the hardest boss is the spider in the lava cave kind of early on yeah yeah Yeah. i think that was my hardest boss fight i i struggled against uh near the end when you're fighting the four sinistrals Mm -hmm. and there's the one that i think he's like a dragoon like he's got like the gold armor and a big spear yeah and he killed me the only time i died outside of that one fight against the first one uh because he confused my whole party like over and over again Mm-hmm. and i couldn't get them all unconfused and they kept killing each other but then yeah. the next time i fought him he didn't confuse anybody yeah so i might have just gotten lucky i don't know but yeah but i think that's i think that's pretty fair with that even boss. even that final boss like i was texting you and i'm like you're going through this final dungeon and i'm getting all these like miracles which are like <laughs> phoenix downs in this game and i'm picking them all up and i'm like dude i haven't even needed any of these and now it's giving me a hundred and then i didn't need a single one against the final boss right so I was like, oh, okay. Maybe they're just trying to get in my head a little bit. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you can skip so many enemies that you can be way underleveled. So. Yeah. And that and that was something, because I really, you mentioned this earlier. Like, you get random encounters when you're on the world map, but you're not on the world map hardly at all. No. Um, and when you're in the dungeons, then it, it, it looks, again, a little bit like Earthbound. The enemies are running around, and if you don't touch them, then they won't touch, They you don't fight them. Yeah. And, and- uh What's that? Uh, and you also have the tools like the arrows and the grappling hook where you can stun the enemies and yeah. walk around them. Yeah. It's very, I, I said it had a little bit of earthbound to it. It has a lot of link to the past to it as well. Yeah. That, that's how I explain this, uh, describe this game is uh, Final Fantasy four meets link to the past. Yeah. Which I, and I messaged you early on. I was like, dude, this is sick. Cause you're going through dungeons and a lot, especially in the earlier game, a lot of the dungeons are just solving puzzles and then you're fighting mm-hmm enemies that come near you but you're just you're just solving like basic puzzles and you end up picking up like a bow and arrow a bomb a hook shot and i'm like fuck you guys like nintendo didn't want a royalty on this like like this right. is, yeah <laughs> there's a lot of link to the past to this yeah it came out um, several years after link to the past i think so they definitely yeah, stole it. it yeah yeah did you uh I, maybe i'm just stupid but like i had to look up two or three puzzles yeah, there's a few that are really difficult. Um, even replaying it this time, I've probably beaten it six, seven times, eight times, and yeah, I still struggled on a few puzzles. Dude, that the one where you have to turn all the yellow blocks red <laughs> or red yellow. That's the exact one I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I I fucked. Her. So if you've never played the game, there's this puzzle where like there's a bunch of blocks and random assortments on the ground, 
and some are yellow and some are red. And you basically have to pick up two blocks and put them down somewhere else or whatever the fuck. And say you put two yellow blocks on either end of three red blocks, then the three red blocks all turn yellow. And mm-hmm. it expects you to make them all a different color with like two movements or minimal movements. And yeah, I finally I gave up and looked it up and I was like, I don't know if I ever would have gotten that. No. Like that would have been where my game rental ended right there. Right. So some yeah, of them were the, really tough. Yeah, the other one that really um messed with me was the 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 bushes or grass that kept growing every step oh. you took. And yeah, they use like your fire arrow on those. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's like it's literally like Link to the Past where you're cutting down bushes, but these bushes keep regrowing. And you have to basically cut them all down basically taking about like four steps before they start coming again and you're using your bombs and you're using your fire arrows and it's just yeah i there's one way to solve it like it's like it's like a math puzzle there's like one way to fucking solve it um i found that i found that quite difficult as well i wanted to get back to so you played this like i played this i'll be honest i emulated this motherfucker Mm -hmm. this thing is not exactly readily available anywhere right uh you played it on the cart yeah on the super nintendo cart yes i have were I ran into the glitches in the the submarine cave, mm-hmm. and then the end credits where like the game like can't render itself. It looks like an NES game where the things aren't lined up and it's all just blocks and lines everywhere. Are those in the cart? Yes. Well, the ending is not in the cart. The ending should go through just fine, but okay. the the submarine cave does is like a permanent glitch that is there. And I'm... Uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Like I don't know how that got through. Me too. Like, were you out of money? Like, I'm shot. Like, <laughs> if you've never played it, you go into Like, fortunately, it's not like a big dungeon where there's a bunch of puzzles and enemies to fight or anything. It's just like a little dungeon you go into and you basically just get like a, an item in it. But you can't see anything. You're just walking around and you basically... I got lucky. Uh, I got in about 20 seconds just walking around and I got into the right place. Mm-hmm. But I looked up YouTube videos where it took people like two or three minutes Yeah. To to find the exit to this mysterious glitch dungeon and i was shocked that they would release a game and let that stay in there like that really blew my mind there's also some glitches in the text like on your uh item screen yes some some of the items or equipment like will have the names of like other items mixed in with it and it it's clear they didn't proofread their work yeah i noticed that too and i was i was like am i am i going crazy and then i was like oh no it's the game that's calling it the ice ring so all right am Um, i out of touch or yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) no it's the children who are wrong um okay so then so the super the super nintendo one had the glitches as well so Mm. one of the glitches that i ran into was at the end of the game i beat the game and you get the the scene where the two spirits are like flying around in the world Mm. uh and then when it shows the actual credit text it's just another glitch and that might have been a rom issue i don't know but i couldn't leave the game i couldn't because there's a new game plus i couldn't do any of that so that's one of the things i really wanted to pick your brain about because you've had some time with that what do you do once you can beat this game? Um, I th- so when you beat this game, I think you do have to hit reset to get to the back to the title screen. Okay. So when you beat the game, you can start a new new quest, new file, whatever you call it, New Game Plus, and it gives you four times experience and four times gold for your next playthrough. So obviously, but you, but you it, go sorry, but you'd go back to like level one. Yeah, you start at the beginning. Okay. So obviously, the like you said, the game is not difficult. So four times in your experience is quite easy. Um, yeah. So you can actually beat that first Sinistral and that fight you're supposed to lose if you level up enough because of how much experience you're getting. 
Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So if you beat the game again on New Game Plus, you get to do like a New Game Plus Plus. I don't know if that's what it's called, but um, so basically, it, the New Game Plus Plus will allow you to play the Ancient Cave only on that file. So, so wait, okay. so you so you can't play the regular game. You can only play the Ancient Cave. Yes, on that second after okay. you beat the game twice. Okay. Now, so so is the ancient cave not accessible until you've beaten the game twice? No, you can breach the like, ancient cave. I could have cave. gone there, right? Yeah. Okay. In the game, when you get access to a ship, yeah, like you and you have to choose, like I want to go to this town or this town. Um, if you choose the second town, that's the town for the ancient cave. So you can do oh. it kind of early in the game. Okay. I didn't. Uh... I didn't end up going there, and after and like and that's one of the things that makes me nervous about reviewing JRPGs is people are always like, "Oh, you missed X, Y, and Z from the game," but I knew I was going to miss some stuff in this game. And then I looked up what all the ancient cave entails, and I was like, "I was never playing through that anyways." Right, like it's that a, is it's, big. Yeah, it's a separate game in itself, really. Yeah. So what? I I have never. I, I assume that you have spent some time in the ancient cave then. Yes. Yeah, I've so, never beaten it. That's on my game and bucket list. But um, basically, the ancient cave is. You get four party members. Like if you go through New Game Plus Plus, you can choose any four party members you want to go into the ancient cave. And oh, sick! Yeah, yeah. So you can bring back Dakar because he's my favorite. Me too. Um, you can bring. So you start off in the cave, level one. No items, no equipment. All your characters are level one, but you're fighting level one enemies. Okay. Um, and it's all randomly generated. So we can't use your tools either, to, like the stun enemies. And there's no puzzles or anything. You just fight your way to the bottom. And there's 99 levels. So Jesus. at the end, there's a giant jelly that you have to fight and defeat in three turns. Um, what? In three turns? Right, yeah. Is it? Oh, I guess you said you've never done it. So it's probably not very easy to do. Right, you have to do so much damage. I've, okay. I've watched people, like, I've watched a playthrough of someone doing it. Um, yeah, it's not easy. But yeah. And, but, and sorry, so if you if you at any time if you leave this cave, is it like is that just game over, or do you just play it until you die? Uh, there's a there's a little bit to it too. Um, so as you go in through this cave, you're gonna find orange treasure chests, just like normal treasure chests, okay. and then you can find blue treasure chests. Um, the orange ones you can use those items for that run for that like playthrough. Oh, okay, I see. Um, and then. For the blue treasure chest, those are items you can keep for the next run through. But only if you find an item called the Providence that comes up, I think, at level 30 and later. And it's all random. Like, okay. it could be level 83 and like you're struggling to, to survive and trying to find this Providence. But if you use the Providence, you can keep all your blue items. And they're, they're usually really good items, like, you know, really strong swords. So you're going to the next run through with like this the most powerful sword and like crushing jellies on level one so you just kind of have to it's like a, it's a roguelike like you right. you know get as far as you can keep the blue treasure chest and then just do another run through that's a great idea like that adds mm -hmm. so much replay like if you had gotten this game as a kid and it was like well that's my game for the next year yeah that's smart like that adds i would argue like infinite replayability yeah and it's i mean it's pretty impressive for a super nintendo game to have that level of detail and like random randomly generated floors and sure yeah, yeah. 
I guess they they that's that was the time they didn't spend testing that fucking right. submarine cave. They were like, well, we put all our time into the ancient cave. Fuck off. We're working. Right. All right. Um, I think there is a glitch with the giant jelly. I've read that there's a strategy if you kill yourself, like if you defeat yourself in three turns, like it also counts as a win. Okay. It's, I, it's weird, but. I, I was just reading that if you fight the, the dragon, I think it's the dragon you cast your eggs in at. Mm-hmm. The the final fight against it, I think, is like one of the toughest fights in the game. But I guess the dragon's HP is at the very <laughs> yeah. limit of what the game can do. Yeah. So if you heal it first, it rotates it back basically to zero and then up to like, you know, if you healed it for 30, then he basically would start the fight with 29 HP. Right. Because he would go back to zero and then start at the beginning again. And I was like, man, what a, who finds these? That's what I want to know is who finds these glitches. Yeah. But that's a great glitch, though. I like that. Also, find um, out how they how they missed that again i don't get it either yeah yeah uh so i have a couple more questions for you here before we run this out in addition to having your playable team of four you have your uh your one like capsule monster with you yes uh i didn't find all of them i found five of them i think did you have a favorite uh are you for the ancient cave i like the one that heals you okay um but in like a regular playthrough i like the i think it's like the Earth one, maybe. I don't know. There's, okay. I can't remember all right now, but there's uh, usually one that attacks is usually one. Yeah, of my I, I rolled ones. the Fire Dragon and just got him to like maximum level, and he was like mm-hmm. pretty handy most of the time. Yeah, I thought it was so. a nice little addition. Like, it's not necessary. He's not that important, but every once in a while he'll hit and kind of oh, save yeah. your ass. Yeah, dude. I, I, I. There was two things about the combat in this game I really liked, and one was that you always had that monster there to help you. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, you know, you don't get to control them. Like they do a random attack each time, but it was still cool that you had that, that fifth helper. And then the other thing I thought was really neat was, um, the, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but the attacks that basically come with your weapons, the I, IP. Yeah. IP. Yeah. And so like when you play the game, you have your hit points, your magic points. You also have your IP, uh, at the bottom. And every time you take damage from the enemy, your IP fills up and then Whatever equipment you have, uh, whatever equipment you have equipped, some of it comes with special abilities that you can cash in your IP to use, like spells. And it gives somebody like Gee, who doesn't have any magic, a chance to use a couple of cool abilities. And uh, I didn't get super into like mixing and matching my equipment. I just went with the be- I just went with the strongest equipment, and then if it came with right. a cool ability, then bonus. But I thought that added a lot of depth to the combat as well. For such a linear game, they really did add a lot of depth to a couple of these little things. Yeah, I always thought they were kind of like limit breaks from like Final Fantasy VII yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, great comparison. Uh, and dude, and some of those things, some of those things will fuck enemies up. Oh yeah, it was like, like three times ice attack, and if he's weak against ice, you're doing, you're doing crazy yeah. damage. You're steamrolling. But yeah. like, I also found that with that, um, I think that's one of the things that made the game so easy because I was never struggling to heal because one or two of my characters always had healing abilities in their like weapons. Mm-hmm. And so every second or third attack or armor, whatever the fuck. So every second or third battle, I could just use those abilities and heal everybody. Yeah. Like, which again, just I, I'm good with that. Hey, it's linear. I'm not getting lost. It's not making me manage a party, minimal random encounters. And it wasn't very hard. I, that was all the boxes <laughs> checked for me. Right. In a JRPG. Um, before we wrap this up and get a score from you. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for turning me on to this. Uh, yeah. Thank you for turning me on uh, to this game. Yeah. <laughs> um, neat little game. Is there anything from Lufia 2 that you're like, I have to tell the world that you haven't had a chance to say yet? Uh, I think 
the only criticism I have with this game is the story is kind of lacking at times. Like, yes, I thought there's some fluff missions where like, you know, you get to a town and the rich guy in town won't let you pass a shrine. So you go to like some cave to look for a ruby apple. And it's like, like, I'm, I'm supposed to save the world. Like this is, I shouldn't be in this cave. Like I should be in the next you know next town but i i found the whole game was like that you basically get to a town you go do mm-hmm. something for somebody then they open up the path to the next town yeah so but some some seem a little more relevant some seem kind of ridiculous agreed agreed um but no uh i mean I, this has uh been a childhood favorite um i think like i said earlier it's probably my third favorite super nintendo rpg just just ahead of super mario rpg um you know, I thought, I think for some JRPGs, like it's, you get maybe bored or annoyed having to go to another cave, but I thought mm-hmm. every cave was fun. Like there was new little challenges, new little puzzles that you know, kept it fresh. Like they didn't repeat themselves a lot in dungeons. I thought, um, I just, you know, I thought every step of it was fun. So that's agreed. I, I do get bored of RPGs. That's my big problem with them is I get bored by the end. And this one kept me interested. Admittedly, the story wasn't anything to write home about, but it was, I, I genuinely, it is like playing through Zelda dungeons. It's, you have mm-hmm. a sword and, and your abilities and you, you can cut down bushes and, and pick up pots and solve puzzles. The only difference is instead of fighting enemies with your sword in action in real time, whenever you touch an enemy, it takes you to the JRPG screen. And I think that's what kept me coming back was yeah. the solving of the puzzles and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, this might be a hot take, but I think, I think they do puzzles and dungeons design better than Link to the Past. Um, I, I felt like you didn't have to repeat a puzzle. Like once you did it in Lufia Two, you didn't have to like redo it every time. Yeah. So you yeah. didn't have to spend a lot of time doing that. I, I can get on board with that. I will say there wasn't a single dungeon in this game that pissed me off as much as the Ice Temple does in the Link to the Past. Right. Oh fuck! I hate that yeah. Ice Temple so much. Fuck me. Uh, it was a neat game. I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised because again, it, you know, it, truth be told, it just didn't sell that great. It kind of got lost in the shuffle of RPGs on the Super Nintendo. But for the amount of people that have written in, been like, I've never heard of this game. If you're mm-hmm. an emulator, if you like to do the old tinkering under the hood of your consoles and stuff, and you've never played this, uh, I highly recommend. If you like JRPGs, I, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's. I think it's a neat little game. I quite enjoyed it. It's not the deepest game in the world, but I, I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, you're not gonna find a very cheap cartridge these days. So emulation no, you are is probably not. the best. Yeah, absolutely. I now I do. If I'm not mistaken, is there not a port of it on the DS? Uh, they remade it on the DS, but they turned it into an action RPG. And oh. I don't know how the dungeon design is, but I've never played it. I heard some people really like it, and other people hate it. So I got it. That seems to be the case with every game. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, Nate, though, I, dude, I, truth be told, Jeffrey, I never would have touched this game had it not mm-hmm. been for you uh, picking it. So, also, I, yeah, I knew this game would never win a poll either. So that's why no. I figured I'd pick it. Yeah, it was. It's genuinely one of the coolest surprises I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. On remember the game was this. I went into this game, mm-hmm. admittedly, being like, "I'm gonna hate this. Let's just get it over with." Another fucking RPG. And by the time I was done, I'm like, I wouldn't put it in the Earthbound Final <laughs> Fantasy two mario rpg conversation but it's that next tier down for me yeah yeah Quite i like can it. get on by yeah and i think this also like when you play golden sun you'll see some similarities with like the puzzle puzzle mechanics and dungeons sure 
I'm, so. I'm looking forward to Golden Sun. I'm really, I'm going to fire that one up next week. I'm quite looking forward to that. They have random encounters, so be, <sighs> yeah. Fucking fuckers. Yeah. I Party. hate random encounters. Yeah. Um, we need a scoring scale, and you had recommended seven playable characters, which I think is a yeah. good system. Also, yeah. for you RPG makers, that's a good number of playable characters. We don't need 80. Seven is a good mm-hmm. number. I like that. Yeah. Um, out of seven, what would you give Lufia 2, Rise of the Sinistrals? I would give it 6.5 playable characters out of 7, just because it is not Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. And just to take a little bit off because of the story not being super deep. I just yeah. think there's a little too much fluff at times. Yeah, I agree on that. Yeah, they, but, they spent about 8 minutes writing the story. To this. Yeah, but that being but. said, the ending, <laughs> yeah, the ending did kind of, does kind of punch you in the face. Like Yeah, absolutely. Like, for not being that deep of a story. No. Um, I like it. I like it. I'll give my score here in a few minutes after mm-hmm. uh, we rant about this game a little bit more. Uh, Jeffrey, thanks again, brother, for coming on the show. Thank you for all your support of RTG over the years, and thank you for your patience, because I know this took me a long time. But I hope yeah, it was worth it. This game was dope. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, so joining me via the blank phone this week, I guess the second person, the blank phone is blowing up, blowing up the blank phone this week. Uh, joining me to talk more, Lufia 2, Rise of the Sinister Rallies, is, uh, is Kamnen, not to be mistaken with the video game hero from the animated show. I think this guy is just the biggest fan of the letter N. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Anything yes. that begins with the letter N is what I collect. It's like a good letter. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd be a funny collection. That, like just random shit in a room. Like, what is this? This is everything that starts with the letter N. This is my collection. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'd be awesome, actually. My nephew. Sorry, I don't mean to get on a tan already. Oh, my mind but, went to a dark place. Yeah, my uh, <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> nephew Ben had went through this phase. Uh, he got out of it, fortunately, which was good. But he went through this phase where he was only collecting really bad video games, and oh, it was okay. like like Hannah Montana DS games, and like just. Just all the worst stuff. And that was what he... And he was like, someday I want to have a room full of just bad video games. That's uh, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, it was really funny. And like the video game stores here in Edmonton loved him because every time he came to town, he would go in and buy the like $1.99 shit games that nobody else was buying. Awesome. But then eventually he, you know, he was like, well, this is a waste of my money. And I was like, yes, it, it's the video games are great, but yes, these are a waste. Yeah, of, you have the years or a million years in the future. Archaeologists are going to dig up this rune with Hannah Montana games. Yeah. And like, and they're not going to like, I don't listen. Like there's like, you want, you want to, I was like, you want to collect like earthbounds. Sure. Like put those in a safety deposit box. But I was like, Hannah Montana's big car adventure on the DS is never going to be worth more than $2 and 99 cents. So yeah. let's, let's not do this. <laughs> you never anyway, know. Someday. Um, yeah, maybe. Who, who knows? Maybe, yeah. What if she like turns out to be like a serial killer or something? What if she turns like... out to be uh, Miley Cyrus? Oh. Uh, I like Miley Cyrus. Anyways, now that, we've, now that we've wasted enough of the audience's time, let's get back to Lufia 2. And if we're talking about games to collect, uh, this is one that you will not get for $2.99. No, so... this one's... Uh... How much does this one go for? I can't. I forgot to look it up before we started. You want to know the honest truth? I didn't check eBay, but when Jeffrey picked this game, I I usually look because I'm like I don't mind. 
and I've made this abundantly clear. When it comes to emulation, if a game's not available from the rights holder, and my only choice is to buy it at like a flea market or eBay or whatever the fuck, then I'll emulate it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. But I do like to buy the occasional physical copy of games just for the, you know, I guess I got a little bit of the collector's bug back. This one, I checked the two or three video game stores that I buy games from regularly. None of them even had a copy. And then I didn't even bother. I didn't even waste my time with eBay. I just was like, I don't think I can afford this game. So yeah, I, I'll I'll try price charting right now and see. Yeah, the same thing with me is uh, I I didn't I have a, a small store just by my house here, and uh, I haven't seen this game around, which is kind of odd because I used to have a copy back when I had my Super Nintendo collection, but I never played it. Yeah, uh, loose price one hundred forty bucks, complete in box three hundred and seventeen dollars. And that's so, American prices, right? And that's American, and we're Canadian, so that's basically a house. Yeah. For, for a copy of Luke Tire off that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I uh it's funny though you said that. You're like, I've never seen this game anywhere. Like, I I love the Super Nintendo. It's well known that I love the Super Nintendo. Am I the world's biggest JRPG fan? No. But as Jeffrey and I just talked about a couple of minutes ago, uh one of the things that the Super Nintendo is most known for is its legendary RPG lineup. And uh even with that in mind, I don't think I'd ever even heard of this game until Jeffrey picked it. So That's, had you? Like, did yeah, you? I've heard of the game before. Like it's always been around, but it's like up on the wall in the rental store there. You know, you always see it, but it, it's like the same time that, you know, Mario's uh, RPG came out. So it just yeah. kind of fiddled away into the uh, distant past. And I just forgot about it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's Lufia's problem, a big part of their problem. Cause I don't believe this game sold particularly well. Hence why it's so expensive now. Uh, I think part of his problem is just that it did get kind of lost in the shuffle of like one of, so Jeffrey and I were just talking about this. The two greatest JRPG lineups of all time, in my opinion, are the Super Nintendo and the PS1. Yeah. Yeah. You can get on board with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, so if you're like one of the also rans in these lineups that are just insane, then it's pretty easy for you to get lost in the shuffle. Right. And when you look at Lufia too, and you're like, well, that's on the same system that has, Final Fantasy 2 and Final Fantasy 3 and Chrono Trigger and Earthbound and Mario RPG and the list goes on and on. I get why it gets lost. And I have to say, now that I've played through this game, it's a little bit of a shame that it got lost because I don't think this game is as good as an Earthbound or a Final Fantasy 2 or 3, but th this is a pretty this is a pretty okay JRPG. Oh, this, this game definitely would have uh, fell into my rotation of Super Nintendo games I play over and over again, for sure. Like, I'll probably yeah. end up playing this one again, because there's still that ancient cave to go through. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get there. And I know, for those of you, I know a lot of you listening to this have probably never played or heard of Lufia 2. Uh, straight up, we are going to be spoiling some stuff. Don't sweat it. Like, the only way you can play it is to go emulate it. So if you want to emulate it, go ahead. Uh, as you're about to hear, frankly, I don't, I, I won't speak on behalf of Captain N. I don't think the story in this game is anything to write home about to begin with, but we are going to spoil some stuff. And those of you that have played the game, a lot of people ask me about the ancient cave. We'll get there too. I did not try the ancient cave and captain N did neither, but we will get into why and how I still think it's a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, but let's just, let's start at the start, dude, where I know I'm putting you on the spot. It's kind of a loaded question. Where would you rank this in like, like, super nintendo jrpgs that you've played like does it crack your top like five um had you asked me that question two minutes ago i actually have a file going on my uh computer of my favorite uh, rpgs on the super nintendo and it's ranked on there now you nerd i love it i know no, oh, i like no. it i didn't actually put a score on it so <laughs> i call me a liar. Like, I'm... um 
looking at the ones I do have on the list, I'd probably put it in either really close to number 10 or maybe just above. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, for myself, like Earthbound, Final Fantasy 2, Final Fantasy 3, Super Mario RPG, like it can't touch any of those. No. Um, but if I would played this as a kid, I think I would have loved it. And as an adult, like now, I was like this. So if you've not played it, it's classic JRPG in some senses. You know, you control this team. You're out to save the world. You're buying swords and shields and magic and stuff. And you're going from town to town, dungeon to dungeon, trying to stop people. And when you do get into fights, it does go to the classic JRPG screen with the enemies lined up on the... I actually really like the fighting screen because it kind of looks like Earthbound's fighting screen, except it's not first person. Yeah, and uh, the... Um... Uh, puzzles in the game give it a zelda-esque like feel too yeah uh, yeah and that's that's i'm gonna get to i think that's the coolest part of this game um and so that's what it is when you're in combat it's a jrpg you have your team lined up the uh, the enemies are lined up everyone just kind of flinches when they attack and then you have your hit points and stuff at the bottom but when you're not in combat like captain n just said it really does become linked to the past you're in these dungeons you have to solve puzzles you're throwing bombs and shooting arrows and using a hook shot and frankly they they there's a lot of link to the past dna in this fucking game quite frankly yeah um but that's what i loved about it so much i love that like you don't have to manage a giant party there frankly the game is incredibly linear which i some would say is a strike i think it's a plus uh i loved the puzzle aspect because i get bored of jrpgs and like i hate it like listen final fantasy 3 on the super nintendo is like one of the greatest rpgs of all time i i can't imagine anyone would disagree with that if they do they should stop listening now yeah, yeah. Like and I don't even like RPGs that much. I'm like, this is one of the goats. But like there's no puzzles. You just go into the you just go into the temples and you find treasures and fight enemies. Yeah. And uh I much preferred this one where I'm walking around solving puzzles. All the enemies are right there on the screen, so if I don't want to fight them, it's easy to avoid them. Uh actually the enemies are part of the puzzles in some cases, which I, was a nice touch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I thought like, yeah, so okay, well let's fuck. We get so we have the story, we have the puzzles, we have the combat. Let's so okay let's okay like let's let's just let's just tackle the puzzles first because i think those are the coolest part of the game usually i do the bad stuff first but i want to start with the puzzles so when you go into these dungeons most of them have a few puzzles to solve and they they started to get pretty complex and like captain n just said dude a couple of the ones i had to look up were the ones where there's like a switch you need to stand on to open the door on the other side of the room but as soon as i get off the switch the door in the room closes and there's no pots or anything to put on the switch and then yeah. i looked it up and they're like oh you have to steer the enemy in the room onto the, I, onto there the was switch. one like that that uh you had to get two enemies on like opposite switches and you had to like stun them for long enough to not walk off yes because the enemies move when you move so if you take a step the enemy takes a step yeah so that's where the puzzle aspect of that comes in because you can stun them with your weapons and that one puzzle and it was fairly early in the game i believe but i could not do it for like 30 minutes i was just sat there trying to get these two friggin enemies to sit on the button one of the one of the issues i ran into with those puzzles was when i'd go into a room uh if i just saw like one enemy standing there i was like well i'm just gonna go kill him and then i'll figure out the puzzle and so i'd go fight the one enemy and kill them and then and then i'm like okay so now i have a switch there's a door over there i have nothing to put on this switch and then i i almost like i i fuck around with it for so long i forget there was an enemy there and then oh, i look yeah. it up and then they're like, oh, just get the enemy to go on. And I'm like, oh. And then it gives you this handy little thing where you can pause the screen and, and hit reset. Or you, yeah, you can pause any room and yeah. hit reset. And basically the game, the, the, the room just goes back to square one. All the enemies come back. Everything goes back to normal. Yeah. 
And that, and, that game uh, was handy on those color blocks where you had to kind of move them around to make like a Tetris like uh oh, you know color chain there. And yeah. I had used the resets so many friggin' times. That dude, and I gotta say, uh massive, massive tip of my cap to whatever developer was like, you know what, if we're gonna make people, you know, presumably mostly kids back in ninety-six, if we're gonna have people going into this solving these puzzles. Uh, we should just put a way for them to like reset really easily. And yeah. it kind of breaks the fourth wall for the guy that's like training you at the beginning of the game to be like, if you pause and then pick the sand dial, you'll just reset the room and you can start again. But I was like, that's so much better than making me like leave the room and walk back in. And Oh, that is definitely a game changer. Ah, brilliant. Because some of these puzzles, dude, like I, you mentioned those blocks, Jeffrey and I talked about it too. Those red and yellow blocks. I was, I was probably on those blocks for half an hour. Yeah. And and then I finally the last the last set of them. Yeah, uh, and there are some rooms there where uh you'd push a block into a wall or something like that and you could reset and uh figure out your mistake. Yeah. Uh like, yeah. Without I, that reset, I probably would have turned the game off. Oh, that reset was a godsend. Because I, I got stuck as fuck on those blocks, man. Those uh Jeffrey mentioned it, that puzzle where you have to burn all of the bushes. Oh yeah. That keep growing back is like every like three steps that one fucked with me quite a bit i had to look that one up and uh i'm embarrassed but i had to look up there's one where there's like five musical switches oh i had to look that one up too did you i i was so close but the fifth switch i couldn't get to it because it was blocked by all the everything else in the room so i looked it it up and uh such a stupid obvious answer too to that right when I looked it up and they're like, use your hook shot and it'll pull you to the last block. And I was like, you fucking dunce. That that happened to me a couple of times there where I forgot I had tools to use. So I, I didn't rotate them through. Like there's one where you have to shoot arrows into the eyes on the wall. Yeah. And I would like go around the room. Nothing was changing. And it took me forever to remember I actually have arrows and I could hit the eye on the wall, even though I'd already done it before. Oh, <laughs> I will. The only reason I got that one was because uh, I've played through Link to the Past like a billion times and they blatantly stole that. Oh, so yeah. that was the only reason I, I got that. But because you're right, like, and that's one of the cool things I like about this game, too, is this, you're not just solving these puzzles where you're going through these dungeons. Like I said, no random encounters. The enemies are just walking around so you can fight them or avoid them if you want to. Um, but then you also have this as you go through the game, you pick up a variety of weapons. You've got a again, you got like a bow and arrow. You got a hook shot. You've got the the hammer, which is basically uh, a mace. Yeah. Um, you've got the um, the bombs. And you can use those not just to, like, solve puzzles, but you can use them to stun enemies. You can use them to, like, again, there's a little Zelda in here. Blow up walls and find secret rooms and stuff behind them. You're cutting down bushes and stuff. And it's, I I really, that's what kept me hooked. I get so bored of JRPGs when it's 30 plus hours of just walking around and hitting attack over and over again. Yeah, and that that was nice about this. Also, without the random encounters, it really encouraged you to explore a little bit more, knowing full well you weren't going to have an extra 15 fights. 100%. Yeah, yes. Because that's one of the things that kills off my enjoyment of of exploring, is I'm like, fuck, I would love to see what's in these three rooms, but every time, every three steps, I'm I'm getting triggered into another fight that I'm bored of at this point. And this game, I... I I don't know what it was about it. I like because I want to get into the combat in a minute too, because there's a lot more layers to the combat too. But this one just kept me, it kept me not it kept me intrigued. And I think a lot of it was the the puzzles are incredibly well done. There's a couple that I was like, I don't know how the fuck I ever would have solved that. Like those that fucking red and yellow bricks puzzle. But yeah, for the most part, I, I thought the puzzles were really well designed. Yeah, it's um Yeah, without the puzzles, like like you said, this would be just a straight up uh 
dungeon crawling RPG, but those yeah. just the time it takes to solve the puzzle. And then you got the plaques on the wall to give you a hint. Yes. And that really kind of, uh, for me, that was really good because the hint was usually what set off the, uh, the little you know, alarm in my head that told me what I had to do. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, having the hint actually made the game go a little bit faster without me having to run to the computer to look up the walkthrough all the time. Totally. And I thought the hints were really well done. They were fair. Like they weren't, they weren't like, Hey, dumbass do this. Yeah. Like they were just enough to kind of push you, give you a nudge in the right direction. Yeah. Really um, well done for sure. Yeah. And and the thing about it is, is you kind of, you, you know, you, you mentioned this kind of a little bit without the puzzles. I, I really don't think I'll be honest without the puzzles. I think this is like a six out of 10 RPG. Like the oh, story is nothing to write home about the combat is okay. But like the puzzles are what makes this game for, in my opinion, like yeah, the dungeons themselves, like, like uh, we'll probably get into a bit later. It's a repetition of every section of the game, but the dungeons and the different puzzles and all of them is what really makes this game stand out. Totally. Like if you've never played this game, but you have played link to the past, like I think the best way I could describe this game is link to the past. But every time you touch an enemy, instead of just attacking them with your sword, it goes to a JRPG's fight. Yeah. Link to like, the past slams into final fantasy. Yeah, so that was really like, I, I genuinely really enjoyed that, uh, and and then I like that some of the the temples, like the temples were big, but I didn't find them overwhelmingly big. Where I was like, "Fuck, did I go down this hall? Did I go down this hall?" There were a couple of alternate directions you could go to get like hidden items and to get like dragon eggs and stuff. Yeah, but like the rest of the game, I felt that for the most part, it was definitely more linear than not which i'm a fan of because i hate 90 percent of the time i had to backtrack was because i missed the room with the uh, key to the final door yeah yeah and that while we're talking about the puzzles in the dungeons is one of the many things that this game i i don't know if it's a strike or not but boy it's repetitive we'll get into the story and the villages and stuff in a minute but when you're in these dungeons basically every dungeon you have to go in and 90 percent of them you're looking for an item for somebody be it like a treasure or a weapon or whatever the fuck uh and basically not basically every single dungeon somewhere there's a key again like zelda and you have to find the key that'll open a door that'll get you to the boss to wrap up the dun like every single dungeon there's yeah. really no the puzzles are great and i think the layout of the dungeon is well done but there's really no there's not a ton of original concepts here yeah, and some of the keys are off the beaten path as well so it's kind of like do you take door number one or door number two yeah and then you know, you take one of the doors and the key just happens to be in the other one. So you warp out and you start from the beginning again and take the other door and you find it right away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was nice when you guessed right. Because you're right. Practically every dungeon had like a fork in the road fairly early on. And then you had to decide like, do I, yeah, left or right? Yeah, one it, is the key the and one is the end. get the key yeah. within the first like, uh, you know, first two floors, I would actually backtrack and look for another way. Yeah. Because you're like, it should be giving it to you fairly early. So, um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely, I, I enjoyed the dungeons quite a bit. I will say the only random encounters in this game are when you're in the overworld, which I fucking hate. I fucking hate random encounters. But fortunately, <laughs> in about the 30 hours that I played this game, I think I was on the overworld for about 25 minutes. Yeah. But see, I'm going to contradict you on this one because I actually enjoyed the random encounters on the overworld. Uh, kind of aspect of this game because when i needed to do a little bit of grinding just to get money for the equipment uh just sitting there doing uh you know back and forth on the overworld and they pay out pretty good so you're not grinding for too long to get the money and the few levels you need no so, you're uh, not I, I, I 
I enjoyed the uh, random battles just, you know, between cities. That's normally when I did it. Right. And like, and you are right that it does make it easy. I got to say like, I, maybe it's because I was fighting too many enemies in the dungeons, but like I, I had so much money basically this entire game. Yeah. By the end of the game, I could buy anything I wanted. Like I I didn't even need to finish the game. I could have gone and bought my own Island and you know. Yeah. And just been like, fuck it. They're not going to blow me up. I'm leaving. Fuck this. Yeah, exactly. I had more Um, money than I could actually spend in this game. Yeah, so much money because there's really not that much to spend. Like your your party always consists of at, mo- at most four people, uh, and so and like and then each one can equip six items, I think, and uh, and the and the last couple categories of items are like magical items and stuff that you find in dungeons. So basically, you're just equipping a weapon, uh, a shield, an armor, and a helmet, and then a couple of yeah. like special items. So and like an accessory and a rock. Right, yeah. So like every every village you go into, you're buying the new weapons and the new armor, which I hate doing in big RPG party games, but I love doing in small RPG party games. Yeah. It's quick and painless. Uh, you do that, and then you're like, now what do I do with all this money? Because you buy spells too. Because you don't you don't earn spells by leveling up. You buy them, but there's not a like. I didn't. I mean, I bought practically every spell I could find, and I didn't even use like three quarters of them. I, I stuck to there's one. What was it called? It was a fire spell, the most powerful one you can get. And once I got that, I didn't need another spell. Yeah, I I found I was using a lot of the. I used champion, like the strongest healing spell, a lot. Yeah. And uh, valor, whatever the life two spell was when I needed it. And then near the end of the game, when you have the elf, he's got the 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 one white magic spell that I used a ton. But other than that, like I basically just used my, my weapon abilities when I needed magic. Oh yeah. See, I used a uh, fire, uh, what's it called? Firebird. Firebird. Yeah. yeah. I use that a lot with, uh, uh, whatever. I can't remember. I can't remember the name of any of the characters and I oh. just finished this game, but the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the one, the one female in your party at the end, I used, she used so Firebird. memorable. Yeah. Fuck. So, land. uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and then even items, dude, like I bought so many potions and I never used them because I always had so much magic that I didn't need my potions. Yeah. But and that then, was another like, thing about this game. There's no, there's no way to, um, is there an item to have like to re- replenish your magic? Cause I don't remember there being one. I, I, yes, there was. Cause I had like a half a dozen of them. They, they weren't sold anywhere. You had to like find them. Okay, and then I never, I never used one the entire playthrough. Not once. Yeah, I used to, like, when I'd go through the dungeons, I'd just attack with everybody, because everybody had a pretty good, uh, just base attack without yeah, using magic, did. and then it was only on the bosses or difficult enemies I'd use magic. I found it, uh, on that note, and we kind of can segue into the battling system here, I, I actually, as a whole, found the game incredibly easy. Like, yeah. I, I apparently that, that cave is not, we'll get into that, I didn't do the cave, but as far as the actual game play itself, I died on the fight where you fight the first Sinistro when you meet him and he's kind of supposed to kill you. Yeah. Um, I died there. And then right near the end of the game where you have to fight all four of them, kind of one after another, the, the, the second one, the golden armored dragoon looking guy, he killed us once because he confused everyone and they just kept killing each other. Oh. <laughs> but that was it. Like that was the only game over I got for the entire playthrough without yeah, using sure. like any items or anything. It's just not yeah, I- hard. I was so over leveled by the time I got to the end of the game, the fights weren't even a challenge. Like, yeah, same. I get, it, once I got lost in a dungeon there, I just kept fighting everything until I figured it out. Same here. Yeah. I was, I, I, I wondered that too if I was over leveled. And I'm like, I must be because even the dude in the, when you're getting ready for the final boss fight, 
like you're going through the final castle or whatever the fuck it is, the final dungeon. And there's miracles everywhere, which are like Phoenix Downs in this game. And they're not easy to get because you can't buy them in stores. And I'm picking up all these miracles and I'm like, holy fuck, this game must be getting ready to just fuck me up. And then it was just like, no, I just cakewalked through it. Nobody even got knocked out. I be, I won. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like it was, frankly, maybe the easiest RPG I've ever played. Yeah, which is kind of disappointing in a way. I, a little. Like I, listen, I get mad, dude, like Final Have you, you've played Final Fantasy 2, right? 4? Yeah. There's a boss in that game. Like that's that's probably the RPG I know best other than Earthbound. There's a boss in that game that's like a wall and it like keeps climbing oh. towards you and it can fuck you up if it gets to you. Yeah. I hate uh, that. You know who I'm talking about? No, I do know what you're talking about. That wall has killed me many of times. I hate that fucking wall. And so like when it when a boss in a JRPG just absolutely wrecks me, then I just get angry. But when the game is too easy, I'm like, oh, that was, I wish they had put up a little bit more of a fight. So yeah, I just can't be pleased, balance. I guess. What's that? I mean, it's a fine balance for sure. Like this is back in the day before they had auto leveling or uh, matching levels to your character. So they yeah. kind of had to guess what level you'd be at when you got there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, you know, not to, not to, uh, oh, I'm just looking here. The company that made this game, Neverland, filed for bankruptcy in 2013. Um, it, it, I know this is a sequel, so it's not their first game, I assume, but like it kind of felt like a developer's first RPG. Like I just felt like some of the balancing was off. It was easy. There there wasn't a lot of depth to like like it felt like you were just dude, you have so many items in this game that I'm like I don't need. I'm never going to use any of these. Like and then not to mention the glitches and stuff which we'll get to as well. Uh yeah. it just didn't feel like it was a fun game. Like I'd love to see it remade. It has been um, remade. Yeah, but like so Jeffrey and I talked about that, but he said the DS one is like they they changed the combat to like action RPG and stuff. Oh, did they? Like I have, yeah. have the game DS game sitting in my collection there. Again, it's another one I've had for years. I just haven't played yet. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, he said they like got away from like the JRPG aspect of the combat and stuff. Uh, um, Like I'd, I'd like to see this one. Like I like the combat in this game. Just put a little bit more zip on it. Maybe fucking a few less items, <laughs> you know, like a few less. Yeah. I don't know. Cause they're all just less of a payout at the end. Yeah. Um, holy fuck, we're 25 minutes already. Okay, listen, here's what... Okay, let's pause here. We'll let a sponsor peddle their wares so that I can afford more magic spells. And then when <laughs> we get back, I want to talk about the combat, the story, and we have to talk about the, the glitches and the... We just have a lot to get to. So we'll be right back. Let's, we'll, just, we'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting's a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly... I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And better help is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times, 
It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash remember the game. So Jeffrey and I got into the combat, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. I got to say, it's not just like the basic attack, magic spell, defender, or, or item. Uh, I like that you can, that some equipment in the game come with magic spells like attached to them. And you, you, you use your IP that you, it's like Jeffrey said, it's like a limit break. When you take damage, it fills up and you can use it yeah. to do different attacks. I found myself using those more than my magic. Um, yeah, especially when it came to boss fights and stuff like that. Like, I'd always let the gauge fill up uh, uh, and then just unload on the boss fight there because usually you get a couple of good, really good shots with some of your equipment there. Uh, at the end, I think the equipment I had actually increased the strength of my party, and, like, two of them had the uh, the piece of equipment that did that. So when I strength strengthened my uh, characters, they were hitting for, like, just massive amounts of damage. Yeah. So. I love that IP system. And 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 like and you mentioned it earlier, there's a very big lack of MP replenishing items in this game. Whereas your IP uh refills every time you get hit. So I was like, I magic was like a last resort to me. I was like, I'm gonna go to the IP because I don't have to worry about running out of it. Yeah. And so, exactly that. Like uh there's healing spells in it, there was fire attack spells, there was like as powerful spells as you can buy inside some of the armor you got. So it made it really worth kind of paying attention to what you're equipping. Yeah, absolutely. It just the one thing about it was uh, you know, and again, it's common refrain here, but like I did find it it just added to the simplicity. Like it made the game again, just boy, it's it's really not a hard game. No. Like, and that, that added to it. Plus, not only have you got these extra spells with your limit break things from your weapons and armor and stuff, but, uh, so you have four party members that don't die very often that have a, practically an endless lineup. Like, dude, there were a couple of boss fights where like they would hit me, they would hit my whole party for big damage and like take out two thirds of their health bar. But every time they hit them, they gave me enough IP to cast a super strong healing spell that just refilled all my, my HP. Yeah. And so that's every turn I would just refill my HP and then just, you know, rinse and repeat. So three guys were attacking and one was healing. Um, yeah, it's uh, pretty much the same strategy I used. Yeah. But in addition to that, you also have these capsule monsters that you, you find throughout the oh. game. And they are they come across like summons, but basically what they are are like... what's Yeah, yeah, like Pokemon, yeah. But like they're always just sitting there beside your team as like a fifth party member. You can't see their stats and you don't control them. They just do a random attack every turn. But as you, you as the game goes on, you can feed them like weapons and armor to level them up and make them stronger. And again, it just makes the game so much easier. But I still thought it was a pretty cool little bonus system too. It was. When did you find your first one? Um, I, the little fluffy guy near the beginning, the white fluffy. Oh, really? Because I didn't find my first one until the radish guy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, way way late in the game there. And oh. I didn't know what to do, so I just kind of left him off to the side, and I eventually, I guess, fed him enough that he upgraded to his next level, and he had, like, this insta-death attack. Oh, okay. So he'd use it once every, like, ten fights there. It was, uh, it was pretty cool, but for the most part, I could live without it. 
I, I love the idea of you playing. Like you're just like, hey, hey guys, who what what's with the radish? You're like, I don't know, he's just following <laughs> us. Just leave him there. <laughs> There's like entire guides online to like how to level up all these characters and Captain Ends like this stupid fucking radish just keeps following. I don't want to eat my vegetables. Yeah. I uh I love radishes. Uh no, I, I got the fluff guy early. I ended up finding five of them. But one of them was like a uh like a fire dragon. And I leveled him up to level like his max level, which was level three. And he was kind of useless on enemies that weren't weak to fire, but enemies that were weak to fire, he was a he was a god. So no. I found three cool. total, but like I said, I just ignored them pretty much. Yeah, like I I felt like I wasn't like the only you know what I honestly used them for was especially toward the end of the game, uh, I would find an item and then it'd be like your inventory is full. And I would just start feeding weapons and armor to my capsule monsters just to get it out of my, because I don't need to sell it. I don't need there's I don't need the money, so I'm just feeding them the the weapons and armor because that's how you level them up is feeding them weapons and armor they like. Oh, see that would have been nice to know because I was obscenely wealthy by the end of the game, like because <laughs> you kept selling everything. Yeah, like I had lots of money, but I, I didn't sell any armor. I just kept feeding it to my uh, my my pocket monsters, yeah. my pals. I think that's what the world calls them now is pals. Oh, is that it? Oh yeah, yeah because at, that new game. Yeah, at least until that game gets I don't know if it's gonna get taken down or not. That, that's, no, that's no, I think they're fine. I think they'll be okay, yeah. Uh Nintendo does have lawyers, but nah, they'll be okay. Um yeah. well I have a public defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the combat. You have the IPs, you've got like the basically oh, one complaint I have about the combat at the very beginning, like so when your turn first loads up, there's like a, a um like a ladder of options. And the default option is to pick to go into attacking. But then you can also pick the option to move two members of your party around in case, because two go in the front, two go in the back. So if you get attacked from behind, you want to switch them around, you can do that. But then there's the, the option to retreat. You don't retreat by like holding L and R. You just pick it right out of the gate. And dude, the number of times that I accidentally went down and picked retreat when all I wanted to do was go down and pick to use one of my IP attacks from my first party member. And then I lost my whole turn because the whole party tried to retreat because oh. I had just gone too fast. That And I, and I still never died because the game is so goddamn easy. <laughs> but I, I, I was like, fucking retreating in a goddamn RPG should be hold L and R. Yeah. That's how you retreat. What game was I just playing? Final Fantasy 3, like the original one there. You have to choose flee out of the menu, and you have to choose it with all four people. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's so annoying. So it drove me crazy. The I... L&R button was done solely for the purpose of fleeing in RPGs. Yes. I'm, I'm a big fan of the L&R flee. So uh, that's my first big gripe was I fucking hated that. Uh, is there anything else in the combat? Like, I, don't, I can't think of anything else. I no, the combat was pretty straightforward. The IP added a little element of... Uh, I guess, uh, no, joy's not the word. Holy crap, my brain just went blank. Uh, it just kind of added a little bit of uh, flair to the whole combat to differentiate it from other stuff. But like you said that, Jeffrey said, you know, it's basically limit breaks. Yeah. And it just, it just again, just makes you... You're, I, I felt OP playing this game. Like, I felt overpowered for most of the game. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so we did that. Uh, we have the ancient... Oh, all right, we, we've been talking about the story forever. Let's talk about the story. Uh basically these these sinistral creatures are these four gods yeah demons i don't know what the fuck they are well they um, call themselves gods yeah and they're basically like it starts out with one of them and you end up you kill the one and you're like oh the game's over we won and everybody runs off and falls in love 
And then uh, it turns out that, like, nope, there's actually four of them. And he was, like, the weakest of the four. And now they're back. And now they're mad. And they're going to take over the world. And you have to stop them. Like, that, or they're going to destroy the world. And you have to stop them. That's the basic premise. But yeah, so very where classic. the game, like, where the game loses me from a story perspective is it's, like, basically, the game is, like, hey, go to, go to Toontown. Talk to the rich person in Toontown. I want you to get the crystal from that cave up the road, and then I'll let you use my boat to get to the next town. Rinse and repeat. And every town is just, hey, can you go to this cave or mountain that's nearby, get something for us, and then we'll we'll let you keep moving on. Yeah, and you didn't even have to search for the cave because it was like right on your path. There was only one way to go. The mountain yeah. would narrow. The trees would guide you, something like yeah. that. And they would be like, oh, it's just to the north. And so it's like, that's literally the only direction I can go to begin with. And that's the only thing that's up here is this fucking cave. Yeah, and it stands out like a sore thumb and yeah, go in and, and do the same thing. Get the key, do the puzzles, fight the boss, leave. Yeah, and I and I will say from my, for me, that didn't bother me because I, I like linearity. I, I'm a big fan of linearity. I Tell me what to do. I like to be bossed around. What, what about you? Like, you're a bigger JRPG fan than me. Was it too linear for you? Uh, no, I, I, I also enjoy linear games. Like, um, I play RPGs for the story, so I want it to tell me a story, not make me guess where I, ha I have to get the story. Sure. Like, I'm not going to a library searching for a book. Just tell me what the fuck you want me to, you know, know. Yeah. The, the only thing it did that irritated me on occasion is it would tell me to go to a town. And again, if you bought the game physically, maybe the manual came with a map, but I had to look up a map because I had no idea where the town was. Oh, yeah, I did too, because uh, the names meant nothing to me when you warped. No. Exactly. Yeah, nothing. So I, it would tell me like, oh, we have to go back and see. Like at one point, that professor guy joins your party, yeah. and then there's a few times where you have to go back to him once he leaves the party to go work in his lab, and you have to go back to his lab and like see him. But I couldn't remember the name of the town his lab nope. was in. You just continue warping until it looked familiar. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, fuck. I'm gonna. I ended up looking up a map and just being like, I can't. I don't know where the fuck I'm going. Uh. So I, I the, the linear. I didn't mind the linearity. But, like, I really didn't feel the story was was anything to, to write home about. Like, they have a little bit of a love story with, um, I named the main character Hoju. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even remember what the main character's name was. It's Maxim. Like the magazine. Maxim. Maxim. Like the magazine. That's a sweet name, actually. Uh, so, yeah, Maxim ends up falling in love with, uh, fuck, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> Salan. Salan. The names are stupid in this game. <laughs> the only name I remember is Guy. No, I remember so, Tia because the one that you find at the beginning of the game is like, don't go, Maxim. You want to stay in this boring shop with me instead of going on awesome adventures? Yeah, yeah. She's like in love with him, but yeah. kind of. I, I got to say, like, I, I genuinely expected her to be a bad guy at the end. Yeah, I, I figured she would flip halfway yeah. through the game, but she just tucked her tail between her legs and went home. Yeah, just gave up. Like, that's fine. Yeah. So, so you've got Maxim, who's like the main character. You've got... Uh, the the Salan, Salan yeah. the the badass that because she's awesome actually, um but she becomes his like wife during the game. You have Tia, uh Maxim's friend who joins the party early on. Guy, who's kind of a dipshit, but uh he's pretty strong. Yeah, he's all power. He has no magic at all. Yeah, and he makes sure everybody knows how powerful he is. That's all he talks about. Um, I actually thought the coolest character in the game was Dekar. Dekar. Decker. Yeah. Decker. The dude with like the blue hair with the fucking frosted streak through it. Yeah, that too was like stupid to die. Dumb as 
dumb as fuck, but just <laughs> such a likable dude and a badass, but just and like and the game leans into that too. Like he yeah. is a dumbass. I love when games have a character like that. That character that you uh like the girl in uh Sea of Stars there where you think he's gonna be an absolute pill, but he turns out to be the best character. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was he was the best character. And like, dude, I'll be honest with you. Again, we're spoiling stuff, everybody. I'm sorry, but like, he when he dies, I was like, well, I mean, that's part of RPGs. Like, that's that's okay. That makes me want to kill the enemy more because you just killed off my favorite character. Yeah, now but I then have a the, reason. What's that? Now I have a reason to finish. Exactly. But then when he shows up again at the end of the game, I was like, what? You're okay? And I wanted him back in my party, but no, he's too good to be in my fucking party. Uh, he, he's too money for that shit. Yeah. And then there was the uh the the invent the the nerd um Lexus. yeah Lexus the inventor who like is only in your party party for a short while but I, he was, I thought he was okay he he holds his own yeah he does which is and nice then, about this game is they didn't have a have that character besides Tia that uh, was really useless to the uh, party at any point yeah there's no spoony bards in this one yeah uh fucking Edward the useless this useless that ever useless. Um, and then at the end of the game, you get Art Artia, I think, the elf. Yeah, I just got Artie written down. Yeah, and Artie actually, like, Artie turned out to be, like, because, again, he had that holy magic. Yeah. Uh, he turned out to be one of my MVPs. That guy was a little beast. Well, he's one of the final four that makes it to the end of the game. Yeah, I, li- I liked him a lot, so. And I liked Guy. I genuinely, Guy made me laugh because he was just such an idiot. Like, yeah, just such just a, just so full of himself. Screen. Yeah, watching him and and D- Deeker, Dakar, whatever the fuck is it, watching those two argue with each other the whole game was pretty good stuff. Yeah, it made for good storytelling on a bat, otherwise bland story. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like the characters are neat, but like there's really not a like outside of the whole story of Maxim and Solan having the kid and then having to abandon their baby to go save the world, and then like Guy leaves his girlfriend at home and doesn't seem to really care about her all that much no um there really wasn't a lot of like the story really wasn't like with with Artie, they kind of teased that humans and elves don't get along but they really didn't get too into that like yeah there really wasn't much there the story is pretty mid-story uh i guess story break there with the marriage and the kid being born it was kind of a nice touch because you you beat the um the one sinstrel there the the big guy yeah And then all of a sudden you're like in this, I don't know, I had to last about maybe 10 to 20 minutes of just this story going through the seasons, them having a kid and, you know, kind of carrying on with life. It was almost like an ending. I th- I genuinely thought it was. I thought I was like, did I beat this oh, game? Was that it? Like, that wasn't very hard at all. <laughs> but then, yeah, then the Sinistrals come back and then uh, they have to like get the squad back together to go save the world and abandon their baby. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. Abandoning babies is very important in RPG. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So then at the end of the game, uh, and I, again, we're spoiling stuff, everybody. I warned you, uh, it turns out that this game is actually a prequel to the, the first Lufia, uh, at the end of the game, the, the two parents die to like save the world. And so that baby gets left alone. So in the sequel or in the prequel, I guess the first one, do you play as the baby? No, you go 99 years in the future and you, uh, play as, uh, you name the character. So obviously I named him, uh, Captain N because else can save the world besides captain n but of course uh, he's friends with this mysterious girl named lufia oh okay and that is about as far as i got into it <laughs> yeah i've heard that you were you were just talking about that off air that the first one's not anything to write home about. oh it is oh it's bad um that's too bad because this one's this one's decent 
Well, if um, they remade this game, I'd love to see them remake Lufia 1 and like add more puzzles and make it more like Lufia 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Diablo Canyon 1, why can't you be more like Diablo Canyon 2 or whatever the <laughs> fuck order it was? Shout out to anyone that gets that reference. Uh, okay, so that's that's the story in a nutshell. I, I genuinely don't feel like the story is anything to write home about. It's not no. that. I've, I'm saying write home a boat a lot. I, for the record, I've never written home, so I don't know why I keep saying that, but yeah, the story is nothing great. Uh. The, the the okay so the, we have the ancient cave still and i i really want to get into the glitches because i i the glitches are a big deal so and then is there anything else like is there anything else other than those two things we haven't touched on that you think is worth no we talked about the puzzles the items weapons okay. battles everything we're, we're pretty much ready to wrap up all right so the ancient cave everybody kept messaging me did you try the ancient cave for people that have played this game it seems like the ancient cave is the main event i'm gonna be honest i did not I did not play the ancient cave. Yeah, it seems like the ancient cave is actually more exciting than the actual game. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of just like Captain N and I, Jeffrey talked about it a bit, and Captain and I are, I don't have a ton to add, I'm sorry. We're kind of just speaking out of like what we've read about it. Basically, it's something you can do during the game or once you beat the game a couple of times, I guess you can pick from anybody that was in the game and go back. Basically, it's like a roguelike and it's 99 levels of a dungeon that are randomly generated and you start out with a party at level one and then as you play through the game, you find items and stuff that you can equip and use to get through this dungeon and the goal is to try to get to the end of the, obviously to get to the, the 99th floor of the of the dungeon. And uh, fuck, how long? It was like 60 hours or something to beat when it? I, at- when I looked up on the walkthrough, yeah, it was between 60 and 80 hours. Like what the fuck? I so I'm sorry to anyone that was like hoping that I would do it. I'm like I don't I I put 30 hours into this game, which for me on a JRPG is pretty fucking good. I'm not doing a 60 hour roguelike fucking sweet spot. Yeah, 30 is the sweet spot. I agree, but I will say that if I had gotten this game as like a kid for Christmas or something, uh, having this like borderline endless fucking dungeon to be able to go through over and over again, uh, I think that's pretty goddamn creative, quite frankly, and that adds a lot of a lot of meat to the bone as it were and a lot of a lot of value to a game back in the day i i quite think that i I think the idea is really cool yeah i love it it's i'm gonna go back and play this game again someday i I know i i'm I'm going to because i really did enjoy it the overall experience and i'm going to take on that ancient cave when i have a chance yeah if if i had more time i i would have liked to have tried it myself just because i i thought it was such a cool idea uh the problem with the ancient cave was I didn't find it while I played the basic game. Uh, oh, and we didn't mention the dragon eggs. I, I have nothing else. You can find these eggs throughout the game. Jeffrey talked about it. Did you find it? I found like four, but I never cashed them in. I found a bunch of them. Yeah, same thing. Never cashed them in. Didn't even know what they were for. Yeah. I guess there's like a dragon you go give them to, and then you get items from the dragon. But the last thing I needed was more powerful items. I, the game was too <laughs> easy as it was. Um, now the glitch. So you we both emulated this game but from what i understand the actual physical release also had the glitch at there's a there's a shrine and it's like a submarine shrine or something it's like a mermaid temple and there's no enemies in it thankfully you just walk through it and you have to find an item that's in it but as soon as you go in it looks like an nes game that you didn't blow in before you put in like it's just random shit everywhere and lines and blocks and you basically have to try to steer your characters through this mess to the the area in front of the item you need to collect to trigger the the next cut of dialogue to keep the game going, and it's it's, it's it is just blatantly a glitch within the game, like a bug that they didn't fix. Uh, I have to I I don't know where you are on this, 
but I, I, that's a pretty big fuck up in my opinion. Like, yeah, it's a huge fuck up. I originally thought it was part of the game. I thought it was supposed to represent some sort of mystical world or something like that, but yeah. I couldn't figure out how to finish it. And when I looked it up, I learned of the glitch. Yeah. Cause there's like, there's all these treasure chests you can see in there and stuff. And it turns out none of them have anything in them. You can't get to them. It's just, again, just the game glitching and just putting them in random places. Yeah, Cause the path to get to what you need to get to still exists. You just have to, uh, look up a walkthrough to see what you have to do and it's fairly simple too it is um but to ship a game like i mean we you know listen we we chat like cyberpunk deservedly so cyberpunk took it on the chin for fucking years because of that shipment and this game basically did that and like i'm not the whole game's not a broken mess but to make this critical point in the game that you have to play through literally not work is is a pretty big pretty big fuck up yeah, and it was only in the North American version as well. So that's another thing. Like, uh, obviously, when they translated it, somebody fucked up somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, on the ROM, and I don't know if it's because you and I both use the same ROM or what, because Jeffrey said he didn't have this issue. When I beat the game, there's the final cut scene where the two spirits are floating through the air and looking at it. Because, you know, you see the scene where they go around the world and stop in on everybody and make sure everybody's good because the world yeah. is safe. And blah, blah, blah. But then... Uh, I can't even watch the credits. The credits were the same thing. It was just a couple of lines and blocks on my screen. Yeah, and absolutely then, the same thing. Yeah, and then that was it. Like, I couldn't, I had no option to, like, do anything with my game. Like, I couldn't save it. I couldn't reset it because it's a ROM. Which, like, listen, if it's if it's a glitch exclusive to the ROM, then I'm not going to take any points off because, well, it's, you know, I didn't buy the game. Fair enough. But to have that cave, that submarine temple broken, uh, that's going to cost us some points on my scale. I don't... That's pretty unacceptable to me to ship a game with something that broken. Yeah, I don't know if it's the ROM or the uh, cartridge again, but uh, in the ancient cave, I guess the second to last level is also glitchy like that. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, dude, if I spent hours on that fucking cave and then had it glitch like that, I would lose my fucking mind. Yeah. And the best part about that, since they're randomly generated uh, floors, yeah. you can't just look up a walkthrough. No. Oh my God. That would fucking piss me off. So I am going to ding it some points for the, for the glitches. Uh, cause I, and, and, and like, and it wasn't just that there like minor thing, but like there were some text glitches with your items and stuff like that too. Like the game clearly, like they, they clearly ran out of time or money one or the other. Uh, and they yeah. shipped this game before it was done, you know, um, and it's, it's too bad cause it's a good game, but it needed a little bit more polish. Yeah. That, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It, it really needed a play tester to actually play through it. Yeah. Like I'm at a point where I will never buy a physical copy of this game. No, for my collection, knowing that it's got that kind of a glitch in it, I'm good. So, Unless and it's really too European. bad. What's that? Unless I can get a European version. Yeah, and it, and I gotta say, man, like it really is too bad because outside of those glitches, uh, and again, the combat being a little a little easy, the story being a little lame, but like it's a good game. Like I'm I'm you know I I thought it was a good game. I just that's a that's a big fuck up in my opinion. Yeah. And Otherwise, um, yeah, it was a great game besides that one glitch there and kind of sucked that you you had to look it up, but you know, it is what yeah. it is. At least it wasn't something that was game breaking. No, no, absolutely not. And yeah, it was it was you know, it was I'm glad I played it in an era where I had the internet instead of just stumbling oh, around in the dark as a kid. So goddamn kids. Yeah, fuck it. You know, although I will say, if I had tried to play this before the internet, I never would have gotten past the red and yellow brick puzzle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that's where my save would have ended, powers. was right there. So, um, are we good? I think we touched yep. on everything. I'm good. All right. Uh, so Jeffrey's scoring scale is seven. 
because there's seven playable characters in this game, which is a perfect number for an RPG, by the way. So you didn't tell me what the scoring system was going to be. So the whole episode had been kind of going through my mind of how high it was going to get, but seven kind of threw me off. Well, good. That's what, that's what we do here at remember (laughs) the game. You're the guest. So I give you the honors Uh, on a scale of one to seven. What would you score? Lufia two rise of the Sinistrales. I know I'm not saying that right. It's a joke. Uh, Well, taking away the glitches, that's not going to, or it's going to keep it from getting that perfect score. Um, flat story but i still enjoyed the middle part and the ending i was kind of good so i'm gonna give it a good i'm gonna give it a five and a half all right that's a good score i'll uh i was thinking five yeah i think it's a five i'm, I'm taking a point off of that glitch because that's unacceptable and then just it's funny because like i i feel like i'm docking it a point for how basic the game the story and how linear it was and everything despite the fact that i loved that i because i genuinely do i i don't want to go exploring all over the place i like the linearity but I do think the, the story and stuff could use a little bit of a, they could have tried a little harder. So yeah. I'm, I'll give it a five. It's good. I, I don't think it's as good as like the crown jewel RPGs on the super Nintendo, but I think it's a shame that more people, especially RPG fans haven't played this game. I think if this game had uh, gotten more, like more visibility and at the time you would have seen a Luffy at three. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think it... Uh, I mean, and it came out in 96, right? So now we're getting close to the Nintendo 64, and I think it and just kind of got RPG, lost. RPG, Final Fantasy 3. Yeah, just kind of lost in the shuffle. And again, there's just so many great RPGs on the Super Nintendo. It's You need to be a special fucking game to stand out in that library. Yeah. So, uh, good shit. I'm glad I played it. This is, uh, this is up there in 286 episodes. This has to be in, like, the top five games that i never would have played without this podcast but i'm actually really glad that i did it was a pretty pretty good little game yeah i'm not going to uh complain about having to play this this was a good fun experience it definitely definitely makes my list of uh well obviously not 286 episodes but it's high (laughs) up there no it was good uh cap thanks for doing this uh if people want to listen to more of your ramblings where can they do so oh yeah um me and another member of the community started a podcast about a couple of months ago, back in October. Uh, it's called Retrotopia, and it's available on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And on the 1st of March, I'm releasing an indie podcast called uh, The Underground Arcade. So episode one is going to be a monthly thing. Uh, it's going to be about the long dark for episode one, and then I'm going to try to release a new episode every month. Fuck yeah. Good for you, buddy. I love I love seeing how many people in this community have started podcasts. Like I, I, it is fun, right? That's the whole reason I started it. It's just, and that's that's the key. And that's why I tell people is it's like don't do it to like make a career. Like if you get a career out of it, don't. But like just it's fun. Just do it because it's fun. It's fun to just sit on the internet and say stupid things. Yeah, internet's absolutely. Being wrong is one of my favorite things in the world. Ah, I've made a career out of being wrong. <laughs> so, uh, so you guys can find a link to that uh, into the in the description of this episode if you want to. Pending Captain and remembering to send it to me, but I'll uh, hopefully he does. Writing a note now. And uh, buddy, thanks again for doing this. Uh, it was good talking to you. And uh, yeah, go go, Lufia. I'm glad we we shared Lufia with the world. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And Jeffrey, thanks again for suggesting it. Good good suggestion. I'll never forgive you. I'll never forgive anybody, but it's a, that's a different. That'll be the Adam hates the world podcast, and I'll start in a couple more years. So, uh, take it easy, buddy. Good talking to you. Yeah, later, buddy.
And that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, Jay Nasty, thank you so much uh, for your generosity and for putting this game on my radar. It was fucking awesome. And Captain N, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy Monday to talk to me about Lafia 2 and everything all that we just did. Y'all just heard all of it. Uh, if you want to check out Captain N's wares, look in the description of this podcast. You will find it. Uh, tell them I sent you. That'd be very cool. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. If you liked it, listen. Leave us a good review. Please. I'm begging. I'm be- the hands, listen. It's my hands clasping. I'm begging you. Leave us a good review. I have no idea if they accomplish anything, but I got to keep up with all the cool kids, and they're asking for them, so I'm going to as well. And if you want more of these, uh, I'm not going to beg you for this one, but patreon.com slash remember the game. It, it's such a smoking deal if you can stand the tone of my, the sound of my voice. $3 a month to start. Hundreds of archive podcasts ad-free waiting for you. New episodes every week. You can write into the show. You can vote in our polls. All that good stuff. It's finally a chance to play Play One, Remake One, Erase One. And you help keep the bills on around here. Uh, Molly needs a bunch of medication right now, and the Patreon is paying for it. So you get more podcasts, and I get to fix my dog. It's win-win. Patreon.com slash remember the game. I'm also over on the old Twitch box playing old video games and swearing and doing the thing where I get mad at stuff. Twitch.tv slash remember the game. Come by and say hi whenever I'm over there. Following is completely free, and then it'll holler at you and let you know when I'm online. Uh, What else do I want to tell you about? I guess that's, I don't know, that's it. You can see our merch. I'm on Cameo. You can find all that stuff at rememberthegamepodcast.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at memberthegame. TikTok, I'm on TikTok now at memberthegame. I don't really understand TikTok, but I'm over there, so we'll give you a follow over there. And I think that's it. Molly, you got anything? No, that's it. So I'm going to thank some patrons to get out of here, and I will be back tomorrow for all our patrons with expansion pass number 200, where I will revise my list of my 100 favorite games of all time. Should be a banger. Take it easy, everybody. Talk to you on the next one. Cheers so long. Goodbye. Remember, the game is brought to you by our Patreons. I could not puke up all the content I turn out of without all of your support. The following people are the senior executive vice president level or higher at patreon.com slash remember the game. And as such, I am contractually obligated to thank them as quickly as possible. So a huge, huge, huge thank you to Remember the Game Hall of Famer Slick Fucking Rick, Claptrap Stamp, Shank the Rat-Faced Bastard, Adam's former assistant, the cardigan-wearing wrestler, Captain Steve N, Casually Filthy, VOS Rager, Wilco, Justin Blair, Diablo Spartan, Chicken Gizzards, Theodore, David Schroeder, Lousy Smarch Weather, The Mutts Nuts, Darby's, Eric Hopewell, Adam Blank Steelers and Reviewed Sly Cooper 2, Bearded Bastard, S. Alex McIntyre, Toby Op, Nothing Can Possibly Go Wrong, There's a Voice Crack, Philip Ramsey, Lotus, Johnny Zubu 81, Lord Stay Puffed, Austin from Past to Present Player Podcast, Flitty123, Ryan Whitcomb, Big Daddy Randall, Scissor Fist, Elephant Calves, Chaz Hammond, Put It in Age, Cody Thompson, Liquor Like Luigi, Fill Up My Mouth with Farts, Cesar, Plow King, Buy Me Bone Storm, Mad Zeus, Sector, Bula, Glue Scappin, Blobby Rogers, Brian Richmond, Sabin, Guy Who Does Things, Robbie Air, Jay Callahan, Adam Blank Still has interviewed Mario Galaxy, Tornado, Shoe Boxers, Atrio, Wormwood, Mark Sneed, E-Man Trucker, Would You Kindly, The Supreme, Chosarizo, Fallen Snow, Kiku, Tyler Bauer, It's OG, Hired Goons, Who, B-Money, Mellow Yellow 8787, Chris Hills, A Hammer Brother, Carbon Fiber Zombie, Benjamin Atkins, Faded Sufferance, Alex Ramos, Salar Goatface, Max Sandin, Frosty Bear, Lucas Shaman, Roger Staubach, Pool Cleaner, Lord Logrod, Von Hugendon the second, Marcus Mendoza, Because 19, Beers of War, Alpha Kenny 1, This MF, Can't Destroy Her, Kevin Monroe, The Big Deal, Adam Martinet, Youngster TK, Nick Creature, West Gen, Tazelhoff, Postman, Darth Skywalter, Rated X, oh, Int, Solomon Soto, Just Car Pranks, Mr. Papa Giorgio, Itzy Nutsaru, Lucas Valadez, Alex R, Ryan Perry, Ted Explosion, Tom Houlihan, Neil Cooper, Alexander Camps, Works For Me, AB Killen, Wombo Wombat, Wang, 
Ryan, Kia Pup, Brandon DeZeba, Bobby Litton, Maverick, Big the Cat, Zamatos, Christopher Britt, Cam Nelly 23, Quiet Place Queen, Burt Macklin, Chevy Boy 9211, Hitchy Poo, Sofrito Bandito, Beef Dingleberry, Timothy Sabrinsky, John M. Watkins, Graham Kennedy, Musty Beetle, Radioactive Man, Maverick Marty, Christian Gabriel, Woof 15, Timmy the Exuberant Turtle, Isaiah Squeaknut, Sleeper Hit, Colin Bollinger, the, Sle the Fletchman, Nerdy Hybrid, Donnie the Dude, Walter, Sam Carpenter, Drugs Bed, okay, Franklin Badge, John of the Adult Children Podcast, James Wolf Francesco, Max Lagroom, I canceled my Netflix to afford this shout out, then Boys on the Roof, General Fury, Cody Richardson, Nicole, Oroku Saki's Garter, Jimothy, K. Atch, High Plains Drifter, Hagel Waffle, Errol, Archangel Otaku, Storm Beagle, Scary Terry, Blaine the Hoagie Man, Wyatt the Surgeon who's not a surgeon row, a dude named Adam, Decoy Man, Fuzzy 99, Dan Fuselman, Gabe, Matt Babineau, Stud Still Smash, Rush's Dog Walker, Leroy Westrich, Thomas Smith, Beaver Boy, Laces Out Dan, Biddy, Thomas Childs, Mega Mav, Eric James, Joe the Sandman, Phil Lencher, Tyler Juris, Dr. Mario, Mizuru, Standard Ass Brian, Steve Dalk, Jameer Williams, DBXJ, Madam Nutsich, It's That Nerd James, Elijah Burns, Chugger 22, Triple, Frosty Feet 492, Ballsack, T-Bagger, Zach Shepard, Holmes, Safe State, Scum Dumpster. <laughs> I like that one. Just a Fish, Randy Barrage, John Woodruff, Tunable Power, Daniel, Jeff Bergeron, Zonko 504, Titan 420, Squints, Johnny from Virginia, Wolf Magic 21, Doogie, Andy Hudson, Wolfgang Darren, Mercury 869, G9 PSX, Mike Maloney, Ryan Kinchin, Zane Donovan, Morgan, A-Town, Nathan Tromblay, Aaron Lawson, Scott Brooks, No One Cares, Dave Thompson, Angry Ticks, Little Buddy Foo Foo 89, Confused But Still Here, Jordan, Andrew Wright, Chris Fleury, Doug Dorn, Dan of Dissect That Film, Dave McGee, James Clark, The Keegs, Jay Nasty 15, Andre Sharonic, Joe Buck, and Makeshift Mallow Magic Money. Thank you all so much for the support. I appreciate 99% of you. And one of you, you know who you are. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you on the next one. Cheers. <laughs>